Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Blast from Our Past Network. Hey, this is Chelsea Field. You are listening to Podcasting After Dark with Corey and Zach. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, starring Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson, and Chelsea Field. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the second annual $2 Late Fee Podcasting After Dark crossover event. Woohoo! Wow, that was a lot to say on one breath. I am one half of the Pad Proper team, Corey, a.k.a. Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, my brother from another mother, Zach the Total Snackage Schaefer. What's up, dude? What's happening? I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna improvise and do a bunch of stupid shit, but I'm gonna look cool doing it. Are you gonna have jelly dripping off of your lips and powdered sugar on your hands? I sure am, and I'm gonna burn toast on a toaster, and I'm gonna cook some eggs for you guys on the toaster, and <laughs> all the while gonna rock out to "Won't It Get Awesome. And it wouldn't be a $2 late fee crossover <laughs> event without my other brother from another mother. Dustin, what's up, my man? Dustin Rubin, I should say. Give you your proper name. Thank you. I mean, I feel like I really got to match your energy because I'm like, I'm like right down here. And I know we're going into what could possibly be a nine and a half hour recording. So I really got to, I really got to keep it, keep it. Yeah. So I appreciate it. you're, you're, you're bringing me up. You're bringing me up. And I'm uh, happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me back uh, for what is surely going to be something. It's going to be something. Wild ride. (laughs) Dustin's going to be here for nine and a half weeks. Get it? it. And we're going to be looking for some wild orchids. We Um, sure are. (laughs) If we find the hot spot. And uh, they took my thumb, Charlie. (laughs) (laughs) So last year, as you all know, we tackled the quintessential 80s movie, the Wraith, and everyone freaking loved it. That that episode did so well for Podcast After Dark. I hope it did uh, just as well for you guys, but it was a fantastic discussion with a lot of love. This year might be something a little different. <laughs> <laughs> so my pick for this year was Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, 1991. I uh, honestly... To be completely truthful with you guys, when Zach and I first incepted this podcast, that this movie was probably at the top of my lists to wanting to discuss at some point. It was in there just things I threw out at Zach, like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about that. You know, and oh, cool. Awesome. You know, and I remember this movie very fond- fondly from my childhood. But as we always say, nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And uh, we'll dig into all of that uh, as we go through the film. 
I do hope that everyone has listened to the first episode in this series. Uh, this is technically the second episode, our freeform discussion, which was is on both feeds, but the, the $2 late fee proper episode was more of a freeform discussion, and we talked about some of the music in the movie. Uh, we're going to try not to cover the same ground and talk about totally different stuff here, but of course, listen to that first, then listen to this, and then if you're listening to this episode later, go check out the Chelsea Field interview that will be dropping uh, soon. So, since I'm rambling on, I'll just say my experience with Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, 1991, probably watched it when it first came out on VHS, so that puts me, what, around 12 or so? The perfect age to think this movie was fucking great. Uh, At 44, after having watched it three times in as many weeks, well... It has some great parts in it, and I will not blanketly shit on this film, but I will say that it has its problems. Um, again, nostalgia is a hell of a drug, and I'm going to have cite one specific scene in the movie when it happens to where my memory of it is so much stronger than the actual scene itself. But before we get into all that, Dustin, what is your experience with Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? Such a good, uh, such a good setup um, in regards to kind of yeah yeah the uh i appreciated your overview of the you know part one part two part three um well like yourself i watched this somewhere in the realm of not right when it came out but maybe uh when it when it hit hbo uh or possibly a rental i i don't recall but this would have been 92 93 i remember it as a buddy movie i remember it uh Maybe not being cool, but being something interesting or, you know, um, slightly witty, you know, the, the sort of the, the back and forth maybe between two, two bros who are like, you know, love each other. They're just kicking ass and vengeance and friendship and, and all that stuff. And then, of course, uh, yeah, yeah. Rewatching for our first round with uh, two dollar late fee. It was like waking up from a from a bad dream. And I was like, what? <laughs> What is this? Uh, this is. Or the it was movie? like waking up from a good dream into a maybe not so good dream. <laughs> right, right. Like, what did I just? Was that real? What just <laughs> happened? And then I and then I tried to rewatch it to break this down today, and I I, I couldn't do it, guys. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm wasting my life, and I don't. And I, yeah. So anyway, not not to to <laughs> spoiler alert about how I feel about it, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 something. It's something, and 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 yeah, nostalgia, <laughs> hell of a drug, all that. I echo it. <laughs> Zach, we know if you listen to the other episode, you know that Zach lands very far on the other end of the spectrum. And uh, I do hope maybe by the end of this episode, I will creep closer to where you are. Um, don't know about Dustin, but uh, Zach, where, where what do you think of Harley Davis and the Marble Man? What's your experience with it? Well, I just got to say, when you say nostalgia is a hell of a drug, you got to do it with a little uh, Jim Ross in there, like, nostalgia is one hell of a drug. <laughs> um, I have seen this movie multiple times in since it first came out. I saw it opening night at the Meridian Quad Theater in San Jose, California, with my brother and his friends, and we were so excited. Uh, we thought from the trailer... Uh, it was going to be like the next coming of Christ. We thought it was going to be this ultimate action movie. Yes, very much disappointed by many scenes in this film. 
uh, or characters specifically. But I have watched it multiple times since, almost to the point where I'm like, let me watch it again to make sure I really didn't like that part or, you know. And there's so there's parts in this film where I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's so great. And then there's other parts in this film go, oh, man, if they had just done that a little bit better or had more of a plot there, it would have pushed it over the edge for me. But uh, I, I had it on VHS. I had it on DVD. I got the Blu-ray when, like Corey said, when we first talked about podcasting after dark, I think I went out and bought the Blu-ray soon after because I'm like, we're going to cover this movie. Uh, well, we did almost four years later. So <laughs> I'm glad we did. I'm wow. glad, you know, I'm glad we're covering a movie that we have very mixed emotions about. And I'm glad Dustin's here with that because it's it's about finding the mm. gem in the coal. <laughs> Is Dustin happy to be here? Well, though? you may feel differently by the time. No, so, well, so it's Corey, to your point, because you said you said I might feel good by the time we're breaking this down has that happened where you you don't feel good about a movie and then you guys break it down and you're like oh i i love this movie well no, well the thing is i have mentioned sort before of. that it's it's hard to not fall in love with a film when you're as intimate with it as you are when we break it down i mean i'm pausing it every 2 seconds i lived with this movie for 3 days as i was breaking it down and i'm trying to get all the the nuances and everything like that but halfway through the movie you know, it's like I, I want to love it, right? And I'm expecting to because at this point, I'm like, okay, I know what the problems are. But I, I found myself like halfway through it just screaming like, why are you making it so hard for me to like you? Like, yeah. why does Harley <laughs> Davidson and the Marlboro Man try so hard for me not to like it? You'll give us she like smells a gr- like soup. Yeah. <laughs> it'll give us one good scene and then it'll completely give us trash after it. And I'm like, what is happening here? It's tonally, it's all over the place and everything, but... There is a lot of good stuff on the bones. You just have to kind of dig around to get to it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a fair way to put it. And do you, have you ever just just given up on that process? Have either of you guys just been breaking down a movie and been like, "This just is just too draining. I don't know why we're doing this, and I'm just pulling the ripcord." <laughs> no, we've never called it ever like halfway through, but this won't be the first movie that we've broken down and haven't loved. Uh, look back at the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the check cyborg, out the right? Night of the Comet um, oh, oh. Uh, episode. That was an episode that we both did because the cult movie community was like, this movie's great. And Zach and I were like, but we don't really like it. So let's yeah. put it out there and see see why. And I did find myself enjoying a lot of, of Night of the Comet, but still feeling at the end that my original thoughts were the same. But this is definitely a bit different for us, or at least for me, because we don't tend to go this deep into a movie that we don't absolutely adore. Well, uh, Dustin hit the nail on the head, though. Cyborg, for me, mm. was a movie that was, that was probably, uh, you know, people say, oh, it's the best JCVD movie of all time, whatever. That, that's fine. Everyone's entitled to their opinion. However, I think it's crap. I, I, I think I was, like, utterly disappointed. I'm like, man, I liked this movie back in the day. I didn't feel that way about this one, though. That was one that I sort of discovered through breaking it down because I broke it down and then Zach kind of helped me get to it on air where I was like you know what this wasn't the strongest movie that I remember it to be so Harley Davidson Cyborg and Night of the Comet are probably for me because I think I broke down all three of them are the three that I've gone into that I haven't absolutely loved going into them um so it's interesting but I but we are a review show technically even though 
we mostly just review things that we know we love. So it is a love fest. So this is a nice little exercise in not loving something and seeing, you know what? Because I always say, uh, you know, it's easy to just shit on things. I'm going to try to find the love in it, but I'm going to call out what I see, you know? Well, we tried that with Cyborg. We yeah, tried we that with Cyborg. Because I'd say Night of the Comet, at the end of the day, we were like, yeah, we get why people like this. It just didn't work for us. Cyborg, I was like, no, everybody's kind of wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking yeah. this is Van Damme's strongest film. It's because it's not. Um, no, it's, it's not. Hard, so, hard target is. Or Bloodsport. <laughs> or and then Time Duncan Cop. might say Kickboxer. Or Time, Time Cop, yeah. <laughs> Time won't let me. Yep. Matter can't occupy the same space or whatever the line is. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's, I love that's me some cool. Time Cop. But just because, you know, I don't quite love Harley Davis and the Marlboro Man doesn't mean I don't have 20 pages of notes to walk through on this, uh, right. Dustin. So right. hold so, on to your butts. <laughs> so you, you, do, you do feel a sense of obligation. In other words, you don't just go like, this is just not worth it. I, I You know, like, and we just, we'll just talk about why it's not worth it. No, the show right. must go right. on. Content must be produced. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> there would still be content. It would just be less detailed is all I'm saying. Right, you know? right. Right. And, yeah, because like, you're like you're like. So, how, can we make that happen right now? <laughs> well, I just you know because my my, my feeling was, and I, I don't you know I'm not in the role where I had to break it down, so I you know could be a little more selective. Whereas you know I just think there is there is something you know uh, special about just coming to the coming to the mic and being like, listen, guys we couldn't do this and here's why. And let's just talk about it. You know, and if you feel like the need to go listen to it, then you watch it by all means. That, I was just curious if, if that's ever happened. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I get it. And I, yeah. and I get where you're trying to get us to as well. I'm, I'm not telling you to do that. Obviously you, you haven't done that, right. but yeah. You're right. But no. my butt is going to be here for four more hours. <laughs> I will say too, we, we, because we have a Patreon exclusive option now to, uh, for our listeners to pick a movie on our Patreon, if you go to our Patreon and take the highest tier on that, uh, you can choose a movie that for us to break down. So there have been times when we've, well, specifically Corey has broken down movies that we wouldn't have chosen. Uh, going to throw and, the patrons out of the bus right now, huh? No, <laughs> but, gonna... but but it's but it's that's been the experience. Thanks for your money, like, you guys. Chose stupid movies. <laughs> please crystal's listening to this right please continue crystal's listening to this right now and she's like she's how like, dare you how shit on intruder dare you say intruder is bad um, for the hundredth time but, but, how dare you but, shit on it i want to clarify something though because what because what you guys do is so unique and so special and and really so sacred where you are breaking down all the minutiae that's what i mean where you know you would almost have to kind of you know pick what to accept and what to reject in, in a certain way like yeah. because you're like this is, I'm giving all of myself to this to this movie <laughs> over the course of how many days, how many three, hours, three days, you know, so, watching yeah, so th it, writing days, it, breaking three it, three days editing to break it, it down, right? Four four yeah. hours to record this, yeah. and then you know as well as I do, yeah. a solid nine to ten to edit this motherfucker, right? And right. You're like, and so, I know where you're so going. You're like, what, you're like, and, and Dustin's like, so, and your time is worth something. I get, I get the <laughs> equation that you're going to. You're like, is this movie worth realistically? This is, this is what I'm saying. Forty-eight yes. of your yes. hours. Yes. <laughs> I, I get I, where you're going. Dustin. I will say one aspect of this movie that is totally worth it is the cast. Ah, okay. there we go. Okay, All right. <laughs> good segue. Good I'll segue. leave it at that. Yep. Be uh, Dustin, would you agree that this 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 movie is uh, stacked with a 
pretty damn good cast. It is it is certainly stacked, you know, uh, as we kind of discussed previously uh, on the $2, $2 late fee uh, crossover episode. You know, there's a lot of actors that appear and actresses that you go, oh, that's interesting. Some of them are, I mean, almost all of them are underutilized or utilized poorly. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of kind of the, the major flaw of the movie or um, or miscast completely as far as like the villains go which i'll yeah. i'll give my two cents on when we get to the yeah. the doughy baldwin yes sir yes sir. or or there's times when uh, i see one guy and i'm like i want to see more of this guy because i really like him in this particular role and i was really of course he gets killed but 99 of the people in this movie get killed spoiler alert um but but this guy was like I've never seen him quite used this way in a movie, and I kind of liked it, and I wish I could have saw more of it. Big John Studd? No, Eloy Casados, <laughs> who played uh, Jose Cuervo. Who, who played a, who Jose played Cuervo, a, yeah. a mute... Uh, yeah, I thought he was really good, though. A, I thought, a, a I'm mute like, for no reason I character. I don't know if he's doing sign language or not, um, but but I thought he was a pretty cool character, though. Yeah, I I did too because he has that scar on his neck that kind of gives him that backstory as to like maybe why he's you know you know mute or can't talk or something like that. Everybody's yeah, I thought got he a was scar. cool too, and I think this movie is, you're going to see when we go through the the, the cast here. This movie is going to be like awesome, not great, awesome, not great. It's this movie is chock full of contradictions and like two sides of every coin. You know mm, what yes. I mean? Mm-hmm. So, what, well, speaking of contradictions, why don't we start with Mickey Rourke, who plays Harley Davidson? I mean, the man is the man. For those of you that don't know, uh, at one point in his career, well, let, let's take the wrestler out of the equation first of all. Let's take that out of the equation and and just say. Up until this movie, he was considered a uh, Oscar-worthy actor, quite possibly one of the best actors of this time up until this point when he made this movie. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, and my favorite was would probably be Angel Heart. I fucking love that movie so much. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I I, I mean I've said uh, Johnny Handsome before. That's um, a good one, but. But he was he was in Desperate Hours. If you guys haven't seen that, it's with uh, Anthony Hopkins and I think Mimi Rogers might be in it and Kelly Lynch. Great uh, late 80s, early 90s thriller. Really like bad dude. Um, but the guy just like his his career. It's it's just a sad story, you know, and fortunately he had the wrestler. But outside of that, you know, he's he's taking some really um he just made made some bad choices and and he kind of i think cites this movie as a turning point for his career where it started to go downhill because he was i guess taking he viewed this as he took it for you know the paycheck essentially you know and i think he we all know like we were there but chelsea field even talks about him as well in the interview and uh you know he wasn't maybe you know the nicest guy or whatever but you all hear will hear that interview and we'll have actually we'll talk about some of the stuff she says during that particular scene that she shares with him you know yeah thank thanks to her we got some good insight but uh, yeah uh but then on the flip side of that is our hunky boy in the flesh donnie J. don johnson i mean i know him from uh what is it that boy and dog movie from oh. the 70s <laughs> I Vice. I, oh that one. I rented that movie, A Boy and His Dog. I was looking for some some nudity back in the day and rented that movie. It didn't didn't have much in it. I was looking for some nudity back in the day, and I rented a movie called A Boy and His Dog. That was a really the, bad search. 
I gotta I think you did something isolate wrong. that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, yeah, Don Johnson, living legend, Miami Vice. Don't fucking say Nash Bridges. Just say Miami Vice. Period. Yeah, Dead and, and I'll say that like anyone I talked to that I was I was talking about this movie. Uh, my thing is, and I'll say this now for the record: if you've seen Harley Davidson, The Marlboro Man, you don't need to see it again. If you have not seen <laughs> Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, you have to watch it at least once for Don Johnson. I think he is absolutely the reason to watch this movie. He is the best part of this movie. Um, and it's he doesn't have that many movies to sort of choose from. We talked about that. I, I can't remember if it was offline or on the $2 Lafey episode. But he didn't have, like, a huge movie career. And this is probably the most, like, action-y, maybe, of, of his movies that he's done. And, and Dead he's Bang. So, and he's Dead so, Bang, too. De- okay, this and Dead Bang. But he's so fucking cool in this movie. He is. I mean, yeah. Uh, on the short list of people I'd love to interview uh, from, from the 80s and early 90s, Don Johnson's way at the top of that list. Guy's a fucking superstar. Dustin, what's your favorite Don Johnson uh, role besides Miami Vice, maybe? I, I agree with you uh, about your sort of, um, you know, you, you said previously that he kind of kind of oozes sex, yeah. you know, and he does. He uh, he is, you can almost smell him through the screen, you know, <laughs> and it's very musky. <laughs> Um, and none of the characters, uh, by the way, I think shower or change clothes uh, no, at any point, no. but, Good point. um, Good point. these are men, but yeah, Don Johnson. I mean, I love him in, uh, I, he's, he is my favorite part. I think of, of Django Unchained, mm. um, uh, other than Christoph Waltz, who's, you know, phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and he is great in Watchmen, you know, he's yeah. very notable in, in that recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think if uh, you know those are the, the sort of the more recent things that come to mind because he is a guy who like he still has it. You know, he's on screen and you're like, yeah, he's still got it. He, he's he's not a guy who, you know, there's that poignant sadness when you see him. It's not it's not that. It's oh, it's fucking Don Johnson. Yep. Yeah. When when uh, Myra and I watched uh, Watchmen the TV show and he's kind of only he's in it early on but kind of doesn't make it past that. Spoiler alert. Um, but. I was like, he's you know he's old and everything, but he still looks great. And I'm like, I haven't yeah. seen this dude in forever. And I looked at Myra, I was like, somebody give this man a series. Like he should still be working constantly. Yeah. He's so good looking still. Was he in Knives Out? Was he in that? I didn't see that. Oh, I think he was in Knives. Uh, yes, yes, he is. He's amazing. He's really it. yes. Okay. I mean, I, he he always steals the show. Steals the show. Okay. Um, do you remember that movie Dustin from the '80s called Sweetheart Dance? I do not. Jeff Daniels, um, Don Johnson. That's a good one. Anyways. Uh, yeah, he plays, <laughs> <Lee>. <laughs> he plays Robert Lee. He plays Robert Lee, a.k.a. the Marlboro Man. Marble. Robert E. Lee? I wonder if that's... I wonder if it's supposed well, to be Robert E. Lee. No, it was, it was Robert Lee Edison Is was his oh, full oh. name. Oh. I know it's, it says Robert Lee on there, but in when they announce him um, at the end, they announce him as Robert Lee Edison uh, when he's about to do the rodeo. Nice. Awkward. Okay. <laughs> hey, I Rewind. didn't break this one down. Um, and then, of course, a uh, friend of the show interviewed her, and that will, that interview will be dropping um, a couple weeks after this episode. Chelsea Field plays Virginia Slim. And of course, we just reviewed a movie she was in, uh, Death Spa. That was our 
last movie, end of season three. By the way, guys and gals, this is the beginning of season four. Oh. Even I'll, I'll build the uh, the two dollar Lafey episode that we launch as season four, but this will be our first proper episode. Oh wow! Of Congrats, four. guys. Yeah, thank you, thank you for being on it, my friend. Uh, really, an honor and. Um... So, so you never have any downtime between seasons. You're just like on to the next one. So, what determines when a season ends? I think I did it first time at a year, and then this time it's roughly a year. But it kind of made more sense to breaking it. Um, I think Death Spa probably pushed it by like maybe a week or something. But I was like, it would make more sense if we just start season four with the the two dollar late fee crossover. So I don't think yeah. it's all. I don't think seasons are always going to be just a straight twelve months. You know what I mean? And then now I see on Apple Podcasts they don't even draw from the season uh, moniker anymore. They don't even like break things by seasons anymore. So you can't even really see that it's a season anymore, oh. basically. Yeah. Well, oh, it's just more to the point of like, we've been doing this for almost four years now. So uh, <laughs> yeah. basically, yeah. And, and, and the same with $2 late fee. So, yeah. Because we both launched it. pretty much around the exact same time. I think you guys might hit the ground running a couple months before us, but roughly around the same time. We launched in September. Uh, we were after you guys. Oh, okay. Yeah, after. Okay. Yeah, okay. yep. but uh, but Chelsea, we also broke down uh, Prison, which is another movie that Chelsea yep. was in. She tells some really cool stories about working with Vigo Mortensen uh, in that interview too. Um, but yeah, she she's uh, Antila, of course, from Masters of the Universe. Um, she shares her thoughts about that movie as well. But she's great. She's great. I wish I would have seen more of her in this. Yeah, wish I would have seen more of her in this mm. day. Right. Waiting for you to I teed it up for you, dude. <laughs> Zip, zap, zap. Slip, slip, slap, slap. Boobies. Um, <laughs> and then yeah. I will refer to him as Daniel Baldwin. Corey may b- refer to him as something else. But Daniel Baldwin plays Alexander. Is, mm. is he the Baldwin that was in Vampires? John Carpenter's Vampires? He was. Fuck, yep, we're going to see him again, aren't we, then, for the Carpenter Factor? Uh, unfortunately or unfortunately, I think he was on a, I think he was on a, a, a show in the, uh, he's been actually, he does a lot of TV. I'd say he's one of the few Baldwins that's kind of kept himself out of trouble for the most part. I know he's had some things as well happen, but he looks like his brother, Alec. He looks just like his brother, Alec. Just fatter. <laughs> yeah. And look, hey, you know what? He, he's a, he's a human being. That's fine. We're all different, you know. <laughs> he's a but human being. He's a fucking human oh being. God. I'm not going to shit him too hard, but come on, it was bad fucking casting to make Daniel Baldwin the bad guy here because first off, he's in a full body leather trench coat that's supposed to be Kevlar. So all you see is his his round fucking balloon head popping out of the top of it and he does not have like a a strong jaw and it's like i'm only shitting on him because it's like he's not a villain guys even when he looks tough and everything he's not a fucking villain you know and i'm like and i'm a firm firm believer that the biggest thing that will destroy like any kind of action movie or like antagonist movie is if the villain is just not strong you know and he might have been on paper, like he does all the right moves on paper, but that face just is in those blue eyes just do not say intimidation to me. I just I feel like you could just smack him and he would cry and his little doughy face would just move like, you know, I'm just like, you're not a fucking villain, bro. I thought he was a I thought he was a cyborg when he showed up. Oh, yeah. I'm like, he can't be a human. He's like an android or something. You know, they're, 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 well, what would make what would make human men dress up like that? voluntarily <laughs> you know with that coat and the thing and they're 
Crystal Dream. <laughs> you're it's, a human man. Tell me why yeah. you would dress up like, like this. Like these have got to be like robots. <laughs> these guys. Dustin, did you ever watch uh, Homicide: Life on the Street? Did you ever watch that show? A little bit. Because mm-hmm. he was he was on that show for thirty three some odd episodes. Um, and great great show by mm. the way. I feel like that's a nice companion piece to Law and Order in a way. Just uh, you know like gritty but not too. I don't know. I feel like it came out around the same time. Yeah. I don't really remember him at all in that. Um, yeah, he's just, one of the leads. Yeah. Wasn't the so, intro song like Paint It Black or something? For Homicide? Or was that a different show? <laughs> I think it was Or was that it... Mask? I don't remember. What was that? What was that? I think it was Paint It, slap a leather jacket on it. And... Yeah. So kind of to go back to what Dustin was saying about the jackets, I'll go back to what I was saying about, you know, maybe it looked good on paper. Like the idea of them wearing these like Kevlar bodysuits would like that's a great idea. But now you would see them wearing more of like the tactical armor, I think, and it would look a lot cooler. This just looks like they're wearing oversized gowns. And um, yeah, because they have the guns underneath. There's weird things like, it makes logical sense because their guns are underneath their giant Kevlar blouses, but it, it gives it cuts them a weird profile. So again, it's like it makes logical sense and it, look, it works on paper, but it doesn't work filmically. And somebody should have stopped them. Yeah, Be- because we're talking about that now. Does that mean we're we're now thirty minutes into the movie? <laughs> no, we're thirty minutes into the podcast. Though. Okay, we got okay. another okay. three and a half hours. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> are. So, so uh, Jimmy Giles. Is oh, we're played talking about by... characters. Sorry. Okay. I was like, I was like, we're talking about that scene, right? We are. And we, why we... isn't it J- Jimmy Bean though, or, or uh, Jim Beam? You know what I mean? Like everybody else yep. is. You know, I think they cheesed out. Jack and then you Daniels, got, like... Virginia Slims, old yep. man, whiskey face. You could have well, called him MD2020 or something like that. Uh, Mad Dog. Thunderbird. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito from, well, I mean, Better Call Saul, The Mandalorian, the dude from Do the Right Thing, where <laughs> that's where I remember him first seeing him back in the day. Gus Fring. People could say uh, he's had a better career later in life than he did earlier in life. He's he's also like the like sort of like the head of the company in the boys as well. Um the runs all the supervillains. So he's like Oh, yeah, yeah that's he, right. Yeah, so it's like he's 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 now in this role now where it's it's like Moff Gideon in the Mandalorian where he's just that silent strong leader type that you kind of don't really see do anything but yet you're still supposed to be scared of him, you know? He's intimidating. I mean, he would yeah. be more intimidating than uh, Tom Sizemore in that role, I think. Another Not, miscasting, another you know, weird miscasting. That, to me, to me, that's the ultimate miscast in this movie because Tom Sizemore uh, plays the villain, the lead villain in it, uh, Chance Wilder, and probably the, the least intimidating villain on screen no. yeah. ever. For me, which ever. is weird because Tom Sizemore can play intimidating, and so here's when it's I like a child in this. Here's where I point to the director, dude. I think Simon Winsor. This is where he drops the ball in bringing out you know performances from both Daniel Baldwin and Tom Sizemore, two people. I, well, at least I think I know Tom Sizemore can, but I'm sure Daniel Baldwin can if directed well. They they turn in 
doughy performances and and not at all intimidating. And even when Tom Sizemore's trying to be like, um, I'm that I'm that greasy slime bag, it just nothing works with him, you know? And it you're just like, why? You've seen him be awesome before, you know? I feel like Tom Sizemore like oods um insecurity in this role. Like he's playing opposite two guys that probably he looked up to as a young actor, and he's and he looks to me like a deer in the headlights through the whole movie. Yeah. That that was the vibe I got from Daniel Baldwin when he was uh, holding um, Don Johnson like hostage at the end. And yes, Dustin, we are now in uh, hour two of the the podcast, so we're about done. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I was Don't like, I was like, you know, I could, I could see it in Fat Baldwin's eyes. He he's holding Don fucking Johnson, and I can see it in his performance that he knows he's not Don Johnson. You know what I mean? So like, meaning like. I could feel the insecurity in Daniel Baldwin's performance there. And I think you're right about Tom Sizemore as well. This would be one of those movies where I feel like we could probably have a lot of fun recasting it. You know, not, not I, oh, I don't say time. that a lot, but this could be super fun. Well, let, let's let, just for this role, the, the villain, who would be a good villain? Take yourself back to 1991. Who would be a good villain in this? The, the first person that comes to my mind is Gary Oldman. Yeah, dude, that would have been a, just that would have been perfect. He would have done something kind of quirky and awesome, and he would have been very dynamic with it, and made him a little crazy, like crazy, like in a in a yeah, in a dynamic way. Um, but based on budget and and the fact that they probably maybe couldn't afford a, a big name, uh, I'd say Robert Davi. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that's great too. Obviously like a good Go- solid, Goonies you know, and, every every man villain. Yes, a slightly Italian and maybe a little a little mobstery. Yeah, yeah. And the sad part is, you know, if you ask me that question, I would say Tom Sizemore, but with a better director. <laughs> but when you, but but the funny well, thing is, like, I'm I'm looking at Tom Sizemore later, uh, with with in my head with like Saving Private Ryan and whatnot. But when you look at it now, like he's only been in uh, Point right before it, Point Break, uncredited as a DA agent, um, Guilty by Suspicion, Flight of the Intruder, Blue Steel, Born on the Fourth of July, Rude Awakening, but like. That's kind of lock up, and that's kind of it. No like major roles in there, and like in my head, the the roles I think of with Tom Sizemore, I love him uh, in True Romance as Cody, uh, the police officer Cody. I think he was great in that. I think he's I think he's fucking great in uh, Saving Private Ryan too. Like I know that movie's kind of like whatever, but I think he's fucking fantastic in it. And he was great in Natural Born Killers also. Yeah, I'll throw another villain out at you though. Uh, because you said Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis and Ron Silver. I'd say Ron Silver would have made a great... And Zoolander. Bank um, villain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, he would have been. He would have yeah, been. But Gary Oldman, for sure. Tom Sizemore kind of plays this the way, like, Bradley Cooper would play it now. Yes, You know, totally. where it's very clean. I'm not saying... I mean, Bradley Cooper's obviously a great actor, and he, he would do something more with it. But that's kind of... kind of. He's just a very sort of, sort of milquetoast villain yeah yep agreed agreed, agreed. Uh, and i just gotta call it real quick I, my probably my single favorite uh tom sizemore movie is the relic i adore mm. that film oh, and we will be covering agreed. it on pad one of these days that on talk about an underrated horror flick mm-hmm. yeah for sure yep um uh, and and did you mention heat because if you didn't oh, mention heat, I mean, come on guys hey, we, do we need to mention heat? It's fucking heat everybody knows it he's, come on, he's great. I, lo- I love heat, him in man. heat man fucking goes out like Re- a fucking bastard in that movie 
so really quick, I'll, I'll just throw out these last two names of, of two of the female lead, uh, two of the female actors in this film, and then we can, you know, obviously, uh, as 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 Corey breaks down the movie, he will, he'll mention a few others that'll stand out. But Vanessa Williams uh, plays Lulu Daniels, when it gives one of the worst uh, singing performances ever in, in on screen. Uh, it's it's one of the most ridiculous songs. If you listen to our episode prior to this, <laughs> there's a clip of her song, and it's like, ooh, it's bad. What a waste. It's a waste. Yeah, agreed. A waste. Yeah. A, a waste. And then Tia Carrere has a very small role, again, a waste, because you're like, shit, she was doing stuff. Wayne's World came out around this time. Um, Showdown in Little Tokyo was around this time. And, you know, she was a big name at this time. So her popping up, uh, you know, maybe she's doing a favor for the director. Who knows? Or I almost got the feeling that maybe her role was supposed to be bigger at some point and things got sort of maybe trimmed down maybe because um, you could have just cast any generic person in the, in this world where she is in this movie. Cause there's no point, you know, she's had like one line that she said, like follow my tail. And that was it. I mean, would you though? I mean, yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Um, and then, you know, we shit on him enough earlier and we did it in the first, <laughs> in the, uh, in the $2 episode, Simon Windsor is the director. Um, yes. Daryl, is a is a big deal. That's one of our favorites of his specifically. He made a movie called Harlequin back in the day. That is it is a Australian film, kind of a grindhousey one of his first movies he ever did. But uh yeah, this he's seen better days than Harley Davidson. So I, I had a conversation with my mother that I never thought um was ever gonna happen. Um but she <laughs> I talked to her about like a month ago. She's like, oh, I, I saw the funniest movie. It was called Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? Like, wait, what? Oh why, did you, why did you watch this? And she was like, it was it was on one of her streaming services, and she just watched it. And I was like, from like early 2000s? And she was like, yeah, it was so funny. And I'm like, okay. Okay, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Okay, never, never thought that was going to rotate back into my life somehow. That is uh, incorrect. It is not a funny movie, and I'm sorry, Corey's mom. Um, but I, I actually, for some reason, was watching that fairly recently. You were. And Right, and, and I remember and I, because it, the other one came out, and you were like, "Oh, I think you went back and watched all no, the other it ones." Was, I wasn't trying to catch up or anything like that. No, it was okay. nothing like there was no there was no intention. It was it was like it happened to be on or Amazon Prime or something, and I hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen oh, it. Okay, and it was one of the most insulting pieces of garbage to a franchise that's you know good, like Crocodile One, Crocodile Dundee, first one. I, I feel like I feel like my mom is being attacked right now for some Good. reason. <laughs> no, no, it, you're just hitting me at a time where, honestly, I mean, I, 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 if I look at my texts, I went off on this movie to several people because I was so, you know, it, it, when you have a franchise like Crocodile Dundee or something that like hits people at the right time in the '80s, in the same way Crocodile Dundee and Crocodile Dundee Two did, and then, you know, Paul Hogan comes back. Some, what is it like? Th- 25 years later or something or maybe more and he's now like 78 years old and he's in LA and they're doing it's the it's it's all cliches and platitudes and it's just it's just very you're 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 in disbelief the whole time because you're just like why would why I mean it's a money grab but like 
no, who's going to see this? Because no one wants to see. It's like if you take. Um, who's the audience for this film? Right, right, exactly, exactly. And why, you know, we got to throw him in another city now, and he's here, but he's like, you know, there's a scene where he's like, like on a on a ride or like the Jungle Cruise or something in Disneyland, and the snake comes out and he, you know, stabs his knife through it, and it, you know, he breaks this robotic snake and. It's just so grown. Like the whole movie is one giant groan. And <laughs> that would be fine if it was standalone. But because I do love Crocodile Dundee, the character, and I do love the lore, and I do love <laughs> oh my God. Crocodile Dundee too. And then and then there's this new this new fucking thing, which is more of a piece of shit. And I will yeah. not even see it, but the fabulous Dundee or whatever, where now Paul Hogan is like a literal skeleton walking around. He's like ninety Nine oh, years old. Oh, he's coming back. Crocodile Dundee's coming back. No, this he, he came, came back. He came back in ago. 2020. Oh. You may have missed it because the pandemic was. It, it was released at a time when it should not have been released, and no one was going to the movies. So it just kind of went. It just came and left because nobody saw it. But it was like, it's it's him playing himself. It's like this meta thing where he's Paul Hogan, but he's Dundee, but he's reuniting with like everyone that's super old. And uh, and it's some of the worst jokes, and it's just very insulting. It's like we just crap out these movies, you know. They 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 don't get the love they deserve. Anyway, that's such a huge digression for no reason at all. But why did you bring it up? <laughs> why did we talk about the director? It? The, oh, Simon Winter. Yes, thank yeah. you, Simon Winter. Right. I, I, the irony is, I actually have a little bit deeper to go. So when I was in college, uh, I had a roommate that I fucking hated. Uh, oh he was God. a he was a moron. And uh, he had a fucking Crocodile Dundee in, in Los Angeles poster on his wall. And I kept making fun of him. I'm like, why the fuck do you have the, the movie's trash? And I was I just couldn't what? believe it. That movie's funny. You know, I didn't smoke weed back then. I probably, maybe I would have thought it was funny, but I, I don't know. But I just like, he had, he had that poster up for a year. And I was in like, college? why the fuck do you have this poster? Because we were in college. Like, why the fuck do you have this poster? And then I never thought what? it would come back into my life. And then my mom brings it up. And then now you're going on a, on a Crocodile Dundee diatribe. It's like, Wait, wow. But that. <laughs> movie did that movie come out way after college no i was in college in 2001 yeah that was right around my time yeah crocodile yeah, dundee like in la came, came out, out in 2001 yeah crocodile yeah. dundee in los angeles came out in oh. 2001 that's yeah. crazy yeah fucking 21 years ago so hold on if you were born when crocodile dundee goes to los angeles came out you can fucking drink now that's wild <laughs> yeah never thought in my lifetime i would hear a link up of like you know if you're this old then you you were born when this came out crocodile done and and to to your mom who's a sweetheart and uh you know it's it it's oh no but we all we all make choices in life well but the the, the thing is here's my question for you Corey: did your mom has she seen the first two or is this just a I random stand so. I, I assume so. I assume she has. And I'll just say, I've never seen Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. I've seen part one. Didn't like part two, but I think I saw it when I was a kid. Need to rewatch part one because there's a lot of ass in that movie, if I remember correctly. Yeah, thong. Yeah, that thong, man. I I'm, that thing was wild. Yeah. Talking about this with your mom and talking about thong. I, mean, I know. <laughs> I, just, right. I, I picture, I would love it if your mom started rocking a Dundee hat and walking around. Yeah. You know, like she becomes like around, a Dundee fan. <laughs> walking around her hometown saying good day mate good day mate that's a knife this is a knife <laughs> maybe you should watch it maybe you should see what i'm what we're talking about i mean i'm kind of not against it at this point <laughs> no no 
No. Corey, uh, Dustin, every now and then Corey will message me. He's like, what do you think about this movie? Should I add this to the list? I'm like, there's so many other good movies to add to the list besides this. Like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. <laughs> Life is <laughs> too short. By the way, by the way, part. really quick, because as we wrap up uh, the cast and crew, I want to point out Don Michael Paul was the writer of this film. Don Michael Paul has directed and written other things before, but in the 80s, he was on TV. He was on moot in movies. Uh, the guy was everywhere. Big, hunky, blonde guy. Uh, Dustin and I talked about him with uh, on the Hat Squad with Nestor Serrano when we had him on the show. Corey and I talked about the Hat Squad on TV Obscura. Um, but the guy was, if you look up his, his early 80s, his mid to early 80s filmography, it was like a who's who of very popular, like he did movies with Kiefer Sutherland, Keanu Reeves, uh, you know, like uh, he did Alien from L.A., which is a one I know Corey's a fan of. Uh, Winter People with with um, Kurt Russell and and Kelly um, uh, McGillis. Well, he was in uh, Rolling Vengeance, the monster truck killer movie. That movie is awesome, by the way, with Ned Beatty. If you've never seen it, it's so much fun. It's it's an exploitation. <laughs> he drives a monster truck. It's great. And, um, and, of course, he was in one episode of uh, The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., a personal favorite of ours. Yeah, like I, I, I could kind of go off all day about him because I, I think he's a really – I really enjoy his work on screen. Aloha Summer, I brought it up on $2. I brought it up on Pad. Great movie. Uh, like Chris Makepeace and Yuji Akimoto fantastic cast anyways Don Michael Paul I I, I want to give him uh, you know probably credit that where it's not due and say that he probably had a much better script before this movie was made <laughs> and he's probably looking back going I don't want to talk about that movie yeah I was gonna ask because he's the only writer on there so I'm imagining I wonder how much is is him versus maybe rewrites on set because again there's some cool dialogue in this movie there's some lots of cool shit and Dustin to kind of sort of swing back to your point way earlier, I will say one of the things, the, the benefit of breaking the movie down as extensively as we do, we get to at least call out the the, the minutiae, even if it's good or bad, and we might have missed some of it when if we didn't do that. And sadly, we probably would have, I think it this way, we we're probably going to get more good out of it than we would have if we just talked broadly about the film. Okay, yeah. I buy that. Hey, here's just a quote from Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles for you. So Crocodile Dundee goes to a drive-thru at at Wendy's, and she says, Welcome to Wendy's. How may I help you? And he goes, Good evening, Wendy. (laughs) Roll the trailer. (laughs) Anyway. um, No, to your point, yes. No, you're absolutely right. You're going to get all that stuff. You know, maybe you're going to see. I mean, it's it's uh, it's probably just about as much as it uh, connections to other movies as it is th- this actual movie itself. You know, knowing who came out of this movie, who may you know who regrets this movie, who who doesn't, um, and uh, yeah, and it seems like you know Don Johnson equally is is a, is a little uh, questionable on this movie. Yeah, we have you know, we obviously only have uh, Chelsea Field to sort of go off on things, but uh, you guys will of course hear that interview uh, shortly. So, doesn't Don Johnson strike you as the kind of guy that you want to have a beer with and like, you know what I'm saying? Like just like oh. swap stories. Wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> oh, I would have more than just hear <laughs> Don Johnson. Baby. I don't know, man. Like he, you know, sometimes you say Corey like, wants who's to swap the guy? You... Other things. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, Coming from a completely heterosexual man, I have the biggest crush on Don Johnson in this movie. It is, it's real. Ladies and gentlemen, it is fucking real. Actually, in in his older age, he strikes me as the guy that like you're you're into a chick and you go over to her house and you meet her parents for the first time and he's that you'd rather hang out with the dad because yeah, the dad's cooler than the, the dad, girl you're yeah. dad you want to hang out with. <laughs> totally. Anyways, all right, you guys want to dive into this fucking madness? Crikey, let's do it. Dive away. Come on, Wendy. their road you gotta know the rules never play cowboy it's cool's out boys in a room full of indians it's better to be dead and cool than alive and uncool never go into a bar i can't watch this unless you're willing to get smashed you're doing pretty good after there never ride a brahma bull strap on your seatbelt get ready to fly when you can take a bus that look like the work of two bit hoods yeah, pros would have used my keys. Never rob a bank. Get back what's mine and kill these men, okay? Run by bigger crooks than you. Hey, man, that's what friendship's all about. Never resist an arresting officer. Okay, cowboy, let's pull off some steam. We gotta talk to the man upstairs. Stand my tail. No problem. Never start at the bottom when you want the man on top. Never dive from the 20th floor. We're gonna jump. I hate you for this, Harley. I hate you, Harley! Unless the pool is full. You guys are a piece of work. Shoot him! Mickey Rourke, Don Johnson, Harley Davidson, and the Marlboro Man. Can't believe you shot me! Wendy. <laughs> 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 i love your mom i love your mom <laughs> yeah no and to be clear i'm not i'm not at all ragging on your mom and her no and her no you're, you're completely at attacking all. my mother she at is all. a saint <laughs> at all but i would like to know what else she might find funny <laughs> I, I, I know it does it does call into question her tastes i i do agree with you dustin i am trust me i went through all the same emotions that you're going through now I just feel very strongly about it because it is again great franchise. Why would I, you why would you do that? I think the takeaway for me is that I need to rewatch Crocodile Dundee Part 2 again because I don't remember that being that good. No, it's not good. It's well, not it's um, like great circuit 2. But it's 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 in line with the first one. Yes. You know what I mean? The the dots are very clearly connected. Like Australian in New York, fish out of water. And then, you know, there's this Colombian drug dealer aspect. That's right. They go back and then she, isn't she, go, or right? Don't they go back to Australia it's, and it's she's her, the fish yes, out of water? Yes, her, well, yes. And then her ex-husband uh, is a journalist who gets killed and involved in these, with these, with these Colombian drug dealers. 
um, okay. drug runners. You know what it runners. is. You know what's a good comparison is uh, like romancing the stone and then jewel of the, and then jewel of the Nile. Yeah, jewel of the Nile was yeah. not that great, but romancing yeah. the stone is a classic. I, I, Myra and I watched romancing the stone and uh, uh, she, she loved it. And she never seen it before, and uh, but I was like, I don't know if we're gonna get to Jewel of the Nile anytime soon because I, I saw okay. that as a kid a couple of times, and I just don't remember anything yeah. that I liked out of it, you know. But okay. but imagine going back thirteen years later with those same characters, and then you're just putting them like in Los Angeles for no reason. Yeah, and they and try that and, and try and fish out of water again. Right, each other War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah. you, you, when they did War of the Roses, I'm like, oh, is this gonna have the same energy? Nope. No, no. So <laughs> I will say, Bert and I were talking uh, uh, offline. He was like, what kind of name is Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man? And I said, the kind of name that requires legal to put a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. And uh, <laughs> so we get that with this. The film title is not intended to identify or promote a product or trade name of existing companies. No company has approved, sponsored, or endorsed the film or content of this film. Wow, it's like I'm sure I'm sure somebody at MGM's legal was pissed off as a motherfucker when they read the title for this film. For my context, who is Bert? Oh, a uh, buddy of mine that I that that supports the show, but uh, I've known him forever. Just okay. a friend of mine. Got it. He's a Tay in the wind. He's a Tay in the wind. <laughs> right, Bert? Come on now. Come on now, baby. So the movie opens on a billboard advertising the Ford's 96 SHO, the legendary spirit of a thoroughbred. The car is actually a 1990 Ford Shockwave. I only call it out because this is one of those movies that is a weird, like, near future, almost, I don't, it's not sci-fi, but it's near future and things are a little bit different. It's an, almost like as if it's an alternate reality. The camera dollies down, and we see the billboard is on top of the Alamo apartments. A radio is playing, and we hear the DJ say, Well, that's about it for this Independence Day as the clock rocks 12, ladies and gentlemen, on July 5th, 1996. Inside one of the apartments, we see Harley lighting a cigarette and looking out a window, while a woman sleeps naked in the bed. You know, if they cut out her nudity, I don't think this would have needed to be a rated. They could have made some general snippets, and this might not have been a rated R movie. You know, well, there's a little bit more nudity coming up. General nippets. It's a little nippets. <laughs> a little bit more. And I also want to point out, you said Alamo, uh, Alamo apartments. Alamo so, apartments. Uh, that was confirmed on our $2 episode that that was an, that's a real place in uh, Arizona. So if you're tracking that, I guess you could technically say, yeah, he's in Arizona, right? Yeah, but I think at this point he says he's in te- like Texas or something. At some point oh. later he mentions Texas, but yeah. they might have filmed then. this in Arizona. <laughs> Right. They did. They did film it in Arizona. They actually give the actual address on IMDb, but yeah. But fuck me anyway. So fuck, fuck me, right? <laughs> You're like, I was just trying to make a fun point. Fuck me. Well, it's just, just so it's so confusing. I mean, this this is the same problem that we had in our first discussion. It's like, where the fuck is he? Where is he going? Where is everyone traveling? And you know, you're right, Corey. Later, Don Johnson's like, where you been? He's like, I've been in Texas, but that doesn't seem like texas of course it's this weird hybrid now anyway but yeah no right shot in arizona supposed to be texas driving to either vegas or burbank or both (laughs) anyway please continue sorry well and also too they don't really explain where his he gets he gets the call now and it's weird because as far as like the hero's journey we almost don't even see him 
reject the call, you know what I mean, to, to adventure. He, it's like we've already missed that, and now it's almost like an internal call to an, to adventure that he just is like, I'm out of here, guys, mm-hmm. to this mm-hmm. chick, basically. Yeah, and I also want to say really quick in regards to the nudity that you brought up, I would totally take out the nude scenes, and you could have marketed this to, you know, it would have been more marketable in some respect. I think the nude scenes actually hurt it, and I think they're totally insignificant. I think she didn't need to be. Ha- she didn't need to show her tits. And then later on, this other scene, it's like, well, that kind of served no purpose. So, uh, yeah, I would have cut those out. You would have cut, cut her tits out. Oh. Yeah, I would have cut her. Yeah. <laughs> the DJ continues. There's a new drug out there for kids of America to bury themselves in. It's called Crystal Dream. Now listen to this. You don't drink it. You don't smoke it. You don't snort it, and you don't shoot it. I know what you're asking. What do you do with this thing? Harley looks at a picture in his wallet of him and a young woman. They're both smiling. Well, what you do is you put it in your eyes, and apparently it tells you lies, all right? I'll tell you, all this decadence, and we still haven't nuked ourselves out of here yet. It's amazing. Harley takes a drag of a cigarette and looks at fireworks going off over the town. He closes his wallet and throws it on his riding saddle as Bon Jovi's Wanted Dead or Alive kicks in. Harley gets dressed, looks back at the girl in the apartment and doorway, and walks out of the apartment. The credits play as Harley starts up his Harley Davidson and rides out of town all the way to Los Angeles without a helmet. And I'll, I just want to call out this opening, and why we mentioned it on the $2 Lafey episode, but this opening sets... I think erroneously sets the tone for this movie to be much more kick-ass than it is. But right now, in this moment, and Dustin, you got to agree with me here, this thing is fucking badass in the first two minutes, right? The first minute, you're like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, because some of the, the, the shots themselves are very almost film noir. They're, you know, they're very, uh, there's a lot of backlighting. There's a lot of like, you know, cigarette lights this. The, the fireworks in the distance are, are coming through the window. He looks back at her. I, I don't mind her being naked, honestly. I think it's just like another thing of like, oh, yeah, he can just bed whatever, whoever, whatever woman he wants and, you know, probably doesn't even know her name. They don't say anything. They just, you know, exchange a glance. And yeah, and it's and it's you you're totally invested in like where this dude is going. And why is he hurrying off now? You know, like like yeah. who, he's he's starting a, an epic journey through many many miles. Then he's leaving, either you know whatever. It's midnight. It's it's late night. He's driving through the night and into the morning. Yeah, yeah. And 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 but the thing is, moving forward and rewatching it, it almost paints him as a dum dum here because later he doesn't have any idea about the crystal dream stuff and all what it does. And yet the the the, the DJ just told him what it did so it was like we heard it but he didn't hear it because yeah well and as the movie goes on i think harley davidson is not you know the sharpest tool in the in the shed basically yeah or also uh mickey rourke kind of doing his own thing and not even being oblivious to everyone else (laughs) around him so he's like i'm gonna go do this thing and doesn't he's not even paying attention to the radio so yeah yeah he went straight i'm sorry i just thought that the radio was was a motivator for him. I actually thought that he heard that and that was setting off his journey. And that's one of, I think the biggest problems with the film is the, the, you would think other movies like this, you're like, okay, his girlfriend died from this drug, his sister, somebody he knows weirdly. And I'll call it out again. Every time they talk about the drugs, it's moot 
because the drugs are nothing but a MacGuffin in this film uh, to move the plot along. There's no ramifications. Hell, you don't even see someone do the drugs. It's horrible. Yeah. It's yeah. it's horrible. You set up a, a cool new drug. You're setting up a, a basically an entirely new device for something cool, for some imagery. Some cool imagery we could have had, yeah. What's it going to do to the kids? They're putting it through their eyes. Is it a party drug? Like, what's the deal? Why is it coveted? Uh, right? We learn later it's 100% addictive. And yeah. 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 You could have easily cut to a shot of, like, I don't know, one of the guys in his from the at the at the bar, all his buddies, and one of them, like, getting high off it, you know, in the... Yeah. No, no, the girl in bed should be dead from an OD on the <laughs> on the, the Crystal Dream. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's what it should be. She's dead, and he just walks away like, that was fucked up. That was fucked I think, too, you know, this movie came out after the movie Alien Nation, and and I loved the how they got drunk off of, or they got high off of milk you know milk right yeah. a bad milk or whatever and yeah. i thought it was fucking cool to see something a variation on some sort of new addiction yeah and i love yeah. that idea of like you know what's going to be the new thing that's going to hook everybody in and th- yeah well they didn't do that so. well and then this is also okay. early 90s so like crack is also just coming out and everything so it's like this idea that like designer drugs are like a big deal you know and uh, fast forward 2022, we just have fentanyl and everything killing everybody. So, yep. you know, good times. Um, when Harley arrives in L.A., he stops at a gas station on Washington and Central. And I know that for a fact because I used to work down there and I could see the building that I worked in across mm. the street from the, the downtown L.A. courthouse. I was literally right across the street from the courthouse and you can see it there. And I was like, yeah, there it is. My old fucking building. And I, I love seeing that shit. Uh, he walks into the station only to find the cashier, Susie, played by Kelly Hugh, um, who a lot of people probably know her as Lady Deathstrike from X-Men 2. Um, but me personally, I fucking love her as Karai in the Teen- Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2012 uh, cartoon. She plays um, – Karai is actually technically Splinter's daughter, but Shredder sort of raises her, and she's evil but not – you know what I mean? Has a redemption arc and everything. Cool. So. Yeah, she's beautiful. Oh, yeah. By the way. Of course she is. She's Kelly Hugh. Uh, she sees Kelly Hugh being held up at gunpoint by one robber while a second uh, holds two customers down on the ground with a knife. Harley doesn't seem to be phased as he walks right up to the cashier and gives her 10 bucks for pump number two. The robber looks flabbergasted and points the gun at Harley's head and says, Hit the floor, asshole, or I'm going to blow your fucking head off. Harley keeps looking at the cashier and says, you know, if I had a nickel for every time some piece of shit pointed a gun at me, I'd be a rich man. He whips his arm around the gun and puts puts it behind the robber's back. The gun goes off, shattering the glass. Harley then punches the guy in the face and slams his head off the counter. The other robber lets his hostages go and holds a knife at Harley and says, I'm going to cut you long, wide and deep, motorhead. But Harley makes short work of the guy. Harley bends down and picks up the one robber's gun and puts it in his pants. Susie says that uh, he can pump all the gas he can hold. Harley says, that's not good business. Before he walks out the door, Susie says, hey, mister, got a name? He looks back and he says, Harley. Harley Davidson. Again, fucking awesome. awesome at this point. Still awesome. fucking awesome. Yep. But it, is it, though? I mean, it is awesome. <laughs> But at this point, you're like, well, what's his connection to the brand? 
Right. At least, at least that's what I'm going because he's he's riding a Harley Davidson. Mm-hmm. His name is Harley Davidson. Is he just a guy who loves the motorcycle so much right. that he named himself that? And then you're like, that's really stupid. But then you're like, <laughs> or is he actually, you know, part of this part of this lineage? Um, you know, and so it brings up other questions. I feel like at that point, my head cannon, and the only way this makes it remotely entertaining to me is if his name really is Harley Davison, and he's not saying it with any kind of irony. He's just like Harley, Harley Davison, and he like, or he knows that it's ironic, you know. But at the same time, it's really his name. I do kind of believe that it's actually really his name, as opposed to Don Johnson, who's the Marlboro Man, but also Robert E. But, Lee, General Robert Lee Edison. He Lee actually Edison, has a name yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, is is the gun he picks up the Desert Eagle? Yes, correct. At that point, okay. Yep, yeah, that fucking hand cannon. Yeah, okay. Cut to a biker bar where a woman is stripping on a motorcycle, and Frampton's "The Bigger They Come" is playing. Great fucking song, by the way, and great hoo hahs on that stripper. She, they were fantastic. In the back, Marlboro Man is playing pool with Bronscom Richard. Uh, sorry, with Bronscom. <laughs> Zach, Zach, tell me his name. Branscombe Richmond. Okay. With Branscombe Richmond and his gang of bikers. Did I say it right? Sure. Branscombe. Oh, I, Ri- <laughs> I think it's Branscombe. Branscombe. In the back, Marlboro Man is playing pool with Branscombe Richmond and uh, and his gang of bikers. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yes. You got it. Oh, my Rick Dukeman. Uh, I'm getting flashbacks all over again. I'm starting to sweat again. Well, to, oh, good, good news is you only have to mention him that one time because he's going to be gone in a minute. But I looked in the screen and I just saw Zach's like, the look on Zach's face was like, you're doing your best, buddy. <laughs> That's what um, I would say to my kindergartners. Oh my good yeah. job. You're doing great, buddy. A for effort. Mar- Marlboro walks up to the table and says, You know, my old man used to tell me, before he left this shitty world, there's five rules when shooting a game of pool for cash. He puts an unlit cigarette in his mouth. Lesson number one, always shoot with a cigarette hanging in your mouth. Bronscombe says, can't smoke with no fire, asshole. To which Marlboro replies, I quit, and sinks a ball in the corner pocket. Lesson two, always know the table before you shoot. We see Harley Davidson walk in the bar. Marlboro sinks another one in the side pocket. Lesson number three. Make sure you chalk that stick real good before each shot. He makes another one. Lesson four. Never make a bet if you can't pay the debt. Marlboro sinks another one. Lesson number five. If you lose, stand up straight and tall. He points to one of the pockets and says, that corner, then continues, walk like a man. He shoots, and the eight ball bounces around the table, then lands in the pocket he was pointing to. Branscombe looks looks on in quiet disbelief. And I just got to say right now, Don Johnson made that fucking shot. Yep. It's great. It's great. What a great way to introduce that character, too. Just a total badass. Uh, counterpoint. Not a total I badass. It. I love this, bro. Not a t- not a total badass. In fact, I found him to be a white mansplaining asshole, and Ooh. I was totally I was totally siding with Branscombe Richmond. I was actually seething. I could not believe that Don Johnson sitting there still take t- t- giving lessons. 
I mean, can you imagine playing pool against sure. this fucking asshole who's going less than four? Never fuck. You're like, shut the fuck up and just fucking don't don't add insult to injury with your fucking white privilege sure. bullshit. Like you're in my bar. You're in my bar. This is clearly he's the only cowboy in there. You're the you only know? motherfucking cowboy in here. And you're going to sit here and run through the rules and like be a real cocky motherfucker. And then you should keep going. Yeah, no, because I know. what he says after. Yeah, because so, yeah. yeah, there's a point that I, and I and and I'll get to that point in one second because I'm actually with you on that point there, and we'll talk about it in one second. Marlboro says, "School's out, boys." Branscom throws his pool stick on the table and tells him to get out of town. Marlboro says he's good to go as soon as I get my five bills in my pocket and your woman in my bed. And I was that's like, true. "Oh, see, that's a dick move right there." Yeah, is that yeah. part of the deal? Clearly not. <laughs> I think he, I, so my head cannon, because I just, I, I think he's awesome in this movie. I, I don't think you're wrong about, about some of the stuff he's going to do, but I think he's of the time. I think he said that at that point to goad, goad him basically. Yeah, maybe, maybe, but like, you know, like, look, I'm all a deal's a deal and you're going to play pool for a certain amount of money. And clearly his Branscombe's character is there for one purpose and one purpose only to be the fucking bad guy that we introduce you know we can introduce don johnson in a cool way uh yeah. in spite of this guy you know we're and, at the expense of this guy and it's not like his girl is like making goo goo eyes at don johnson no it doesn't seem like she wants to be bedded by no. don johnson i mean we all know she probably does i mean i would i'll take her place but um it just it just <laughs> it felt so it felt so 1991 rapey yeah yeah well and and how about how about you start the scene instead with with uh you know, Branscombe's character, like, I don't know, being a, just a total asshole to his girl and talking right. about how, yeah. how great he is at pool. And then you see uh, fucking Marble walk up, maybe put a hundred dollar bill on the table and say, I got next game. Yeah. And then he does. And then he does the rules and it totally changes the dynamic. They didn't do that. And you're right. He, he, it was it was totally mansplaining white man being a swagger shit but uh but you know if they just tweaked it that little bit it would have made a huge difference yeah yeah no i'm i'm actually i'm 100 percent with you both of you all i think the the movie language like we all understand what it's trying to say and it's probably because hollywood is racist and has been telling us that you know the 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 native american man is angry at us and everything is always the bad guy and but you're right 100 percent. there is nothing that tells us that branscombe at this point wasn't just an honorable guy you know yeah, what he's I mean? justified in his anger towards yeah but, but yeah. and now now he does say well i ain't got no 500 cowboy and there's no way in hell you're betting down my woman and i would i wish that they just if i just wish he said something like i had that 500 but when you said that shit about my lady you ain't getting shit now like yeah. make, make him honorable yeah. right you know what i mean and i think that's i think that would happen nowadays you know, like I think it would happen in 2022, but ain't no way in hell that shit was going to happen in 1991. Right. No. And again, as we mentioned in our previous episode, Branscombe is credited as Big Indian. Right. Yes, he doesn't he have a name. Yes, he is. He's just there to serve as the Big Indian. Big scary brown yeah. man is what Hollywood is yeah. trying to yeah. basically say. Essentially, that you know. Yeah. And they also uh, the, the 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 poster, and I think even the trailer mentions it too. It's like, don't go into a room full of Indians as a you know the only cowboy in a room full yeah. of something like that. Yep. And yeah. you're like, come on, you know, right? It's real. Give on me the a nose. fucking break. Yeah. 
it's 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 problematic in 2022 and that and you know what just because it was the norm in 1991 doesn't mean it wasn't also problematic and wrong back then as well yeah um we do see uh his men start circling marlboro uh, and, and Marble says, my old man said there'd be blue-bellied chicken shit bastards <laughs> like you. Just then, Harley walks in the middle of them and says, you jumped on the wrong horse, cowboy. Kind of whispers and says, just in case you didn't notice, you're the only you're the only cowboy in this place. Branscom says, that ain't no cowboy. He's more like a pretty boy. Then he starts laughing, and Marlboro starts laughing too, of course. And then he fucking hits Branscombe right in the groin with the pool stick and hits him in the, in the head with the other one, you know, kind of starts fighting and everything. Uh, before the rest of the gang jumps, jumps in, Harley says, if he's such a pretty boy, you should be able to handle him all by yourself. So Branscombe kind of waves his men off. Uh, Marlboro hits him with a pool cue, uh, but gets slashed along the chest for, uh, in retaliation. Branscombe charges him, but Marlboro uh, directs his head straight into a metal pole. Branscombe picks up Marlboro and slams him on a table uh, and then a pool table. Marlboro tries to hold back the knife with one hand and grabs the cue ball with the other and hits Branscombe in the head until he passes out. Apparently, he he did knock him out with that cue ball. Oh, legit? Yeah, legit. Fucking insult to injury. That's messed up. And and for those of you that may not know, and you're like, oh, I recognize that guy, and Dustin and I have talked a lot about him, and we talked about it in the previous episode. Google him. Branscom Richmond has been around forever, and he's had a bit, he's been in so many like TV shows and movies, and and he was a bodyguard for the for the Doobie Brothers at one point, and uh, like the guy is. We saw him over. in L.A. Bounty, didn't we? We've seen him in L.A. Bounty. I guarantee you see him. At once a year, if you're watching regular TV or or you know uh, basic cable, uh, he'll pop up in something because the guy's been on everything, and now he's like chilling in uh, Hawaii making like movies out there. The guy looks like fucking uh, you know the uh, just he's he's like living the Hawaii life. Good job. Yeah, he's uh you know he's in a uh, he's in a very popular game called Apex Legends. Um, which, oh, is uh, he? Oh, he's yep. one of the voices in that. He's one of the he's one of the voices. Oh, cool! Like that that game gets a lot of love recently. I'm I'm horrible at it, but um, yeah. Yes, I suck at it too, bro. Yeah. Don't don't feel bad. <laughs> I, I tried it. I suck. I is this tried like to Mario? Stick with it. No, it's it's one of those. It's not um, like Mario. <laughs> no, it's like a battle royale style game. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Outside the biker bar, Harley gives Marlboro shit for hustling people he shouldn't be hustling. Uh, he's got to think things out. Marlboro says, you think, Harley, I survive. Then he asks where Harley's been. Fixing bikes. Little shithole outside of Dallas for two y-. And then Marlboro's like, for two years? Because I've been thinking. For two years? I've been thinking about life. That's the trouble with you, Harley. You think too damn much. They get on their bikes. So there you go. He was outside of Dallas. But clearly, Arizona. Right. Come on. Just fucking make it Arizona. We see a shot of Hollywood, and uh, Harley and Marlboro are sitting on the billboard for Las Vegas. It's like a billboard there for like Las for, Vegas. For Las Vegas. Yeah. Super yeah. confusing to me. Yeah. We also see a billboard for Die Hardest 5, which uh, was a question that uh, Zach asked me and Dustin on our it what was, is Zach you... and Dustin, or Corey and Dustin know, Patreon. Zach, plug it. What's, uh, where, where's, where can we find, where, what does Corey and Dustin know? So if you go to... $2 late fees, Patreon page, Patreon slash $2 late fee. 
Uh, there's a bunch of great content on there, just like there is on Podcasting After Darks. Uh, but we do a fun segment on there called What Does Dustin Know, where I try to stump Dustin with trivia questions from the movies we cover or pop culture questions from the year the movie came out. But Corey joined us for that one and also joined us for Why Does Zach Own This with a piece of Harley Davidson and Marlboro Man kind of memorabilia. So um, very lively discussion. They're very funny, silly. Go check them out. It's totally worth the price of admission and a whole hell of a lot more on our Patreon. Cheap plug is over. We'll just have to make sure that they're actually up by the time this airs. By the, they will be up by the end of the month. Yeah, they're short. They're like ten minutes each. Yeah, right, right. Harley is eating a can of beans uh, <laughs> while Marlboro is <laughs> cleans his 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 knife wound. Uh, they are waxing nostalgic, and Harley says that Marlboro is the only family's got. To which Marlboro replies, "That's a crying shame." Harley says, I could have had a family with Jenny Ann. That's probably the picture he had in his wallet that you saw. Yeah. Uh, but but marriage is for those other guys, you know? I like phrases like that. I like some, again, <laughs> there's there's good, there's really good dialogue buried in some real shit. But I like the phrase when he says, but marriage is for those other guys, you know? I like that. By the way, this is the beginning of the food. Like uh, Mickey Rourke does this thing <laughs> through the whole fucking movie with food. Right? He likes and this eat. is the yeah, and just it's like a stupid little quirk, I guess. Character trait. Harley goes on, uh, do you ever wonder if there could be something better? To which Marlboro replies, Every day. Harley elaborates and says if he wonders if there's a god. And and if so, he'd like to meet the dude. Marlboro says, When I'm dead and done, I don't want no excuses for what I did. Cut to Harley and Marlboro riding their motorcycles through Burbank. It looks like West Hollywood to me. Uh, we see a large plane fly overhead, and they look up and see a sign for Burbank International Airport. Harley asks, what happened to Burbank? Marlboro says, the future. Can you believe it? They turned Burbank into a goddamn international airport. Again, this weird, not quite the future sort of thing. Yeah, cue wet fart sound. Like, who cares? Why? Why It doesn't bother? have any significance. Yeah, Why bother? Wh- what? What is yeah? What is up with this weird little like? Why does it even have to p- take place five years in the future? You know what I mean? But why? Who cares about the airport? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess I guess because they're taking over because the the airport's now international and it's a threat to the the bar. Oh, like come on! No, no, it would help the bar. There'd be more patrons. Exactly. I don't know. I I feel like there's <laughs> something here of the time that we're just not aware of. You know. Maybe some kind of zeitgeist thing at the time. I guess. Like the the fear that Burbank was becoming too big. I don't know. I don't think uh, 91 were any of us in Los Angeles at that point. No. No. No, but in Burbank's always, it still is a relatively small airport. I mean, in comparison. Even now in 2022, Burbank doesn't look as big as the way they portray it here in 1991. Yeah. Some weird commentary on uh, capitalism or something. I, I I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird, and you wonder why it's there. And then here's another thing. Cut to the rock and roll bar and grill. 
Why the fuck is it not named something cooler like Airplane Crash Bar or something like that? Like it has a such, you know, and I'll, I'll elaborate. It has such a cool backstory, <laughs> but I will elaborate on it in a second. But I'm like, why is it just called the Rock and Roll Bar and Grill? That's so generic. Uh, so cut to the Rock and Roll Bar and Grill. There's an airplane <laughs> that crashed into the roof and is now part of the bar. Harley and Marlboro ride their bikes around to the back of the bar. Marlboro's bike backfires and sputters. He gets off, and we see his alligator skin cowboy boots are being held together by literal duct tape. Harley laughs and says he's a goddamn mess. Marlboro says to lay off his boots, and he's and he's right about the bike, though. Uh, he should shoot it and put it out of its goddamn misery. Harley pulls out the gun he picked up from the robbery he foiled earlier and shoots at the bike and misses. Marlboro <laughs> says, goddamn, Harley, if you were shooting for shit, you wouldn't even get a whiff. Uh, so yeah, this starts the whole thing of, of Harley not being able to shoot things and you know, whatever it's, 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 it's an okay character quirk that I'm fine with. It leads to some fun stuff. Well, you, you know, a minute ago when you were talking about, uh, when, when they're on the top of the billboard waxing poetic about God and whatnot, and it is kind of a, it's kind of an awkward scene, uh, because, because Mickey Rourke just kind of like seems like he's rambling a little bit about it and and like they seem almost like they're on two different pages but it is the beginning of his character looking not so great you know uh even in the bar when like when he had the interaction initially with with marlboro it was it was fine but then now we're like slowly kind of devolving harley davidson as this total badass into this kind of goofy guy who can't shoot and can't like to fucking eat food all the time. And, and what is his intention? You know, wh- he doesn't what, have what is he doing back? Like what he just, Oh, I missed you, Don Johnson. And, and when Don Johnson's shooting his own motorcycle. Well, so yeah. So like why Mar- Marlboro, uh, Harley says happy birthday and hands Marlboro the gun. Marlboro says, ah, oh, I almost forgot. He takes the desert Eagle and thanks Harley for it. Harley asks how it feels to be an old man. Marlboro says, Older the bull, stiffer, stiffer the horn. He spins around, drops to one knee, and plugs the bike with all eight shots, killing it dead. He looks over and says, you got to squeeze the trigger, Harley. Don't yank it. It's not your dick. Squeeze it. They, they enter the bar. So, Dustin, yes, first off, you know, he just kills his bike. And at this point moving forward, we have to figure out how he can get around. Um, but two, let's not forget the fact that they just fired nine shots. Into the wind in in Burbank in downtown Burbank, not a not a problem from that whatsoever. It's just it's just such a weird thing to be like, oh, this stupid piece of shit bike, and I'm just gonna shoot it and kill it and kill it and and then now, plot wise, we have to deal with how does Marlboro Man get around right. Whereas he had a bike before. Now, but here's what, when we talked earlier, when Dustin was like, why are we doing this? <laughs> it's, here's the point. You know, this scene is silly and goofy. But I do love the fact of, I love how fucking Don Johnson delivers the line when he's like just walking away. It's nonchalantly. He's like, you got to squeeze the trigger, Harley. Don't yank it. It's not your dick. Squeeze dick. He's just, it's, it, dude, it's, really... it's ever, I swear to God, and I know Dustin, you know, you had a problem, he's mansplaining, but I got to say, as far as the performance goes, I love the way Don Johnson delivers these lines. 
I agreed. I, I love it too. I, I, I will say a couple things. One, uh, the sense of urgency that the beginning started died uh, immediately now. Like there's no sense of urgency anymore. Suddenly it's like slowing down the momentum, right? And then two, um, I forgot what two was, but anyways, <laughs> two, well, I was, I was going to say, uh, so as the well, writer. you know, like you're, 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 yeah, you kill off this. Well, with the shots being fired, uh, and no cops around and like the begin in the, in the opening at the Seven Eleven or whatever, the gas station, no cops around. It's like this wild, wild West scenario that they're creating because everybody gets killed and shot and there's no cops in sight throughout this whole thing, except for, his Virginia. girlfriend yeah. coming up in a minute, you know, um, but that's about it. Like this wild, wild west scenario five years in the future. And Zach, to your your point about how the, now there's no sense of urgency. And the problem is, is because this movie's never about the drugs. And that's what it sets it up at the beginning. And that's why you're waiting for something to happen with the drugs. And it's not there. And that's why you feel like there's no sense of urgency right now, because there wasn't like if you took that radio broadcast about the drugs out. Harley just got up and left. That's all he's doing. Yeah. He's not doing this because of the drugs. And that's what you have to sort of like take out of your brain, which is the movie's fault because its language tells us that Harley's doing what he's doing because of the drugs. Well, or it just, it would make sense if he was doing it for his, you know, uh, pseudo father, right? Coming back because this bar's in trouble, which we haven't introduced that thought yet. But like, that would be a great motivator. Yeah. I need you, Harley. Yeah, yeah, like he should have, he should have, even if he just says, here, I got your phone call, I got your message or whatever. Um, Good point. We don't get that either. Uh, As they walk in, Harley says, God, I love this place. They survey the scene. The bar looks like an old 50s diner, which I kind of have a problem with. I don't think it looks great. Uh, The the set decoration on the inside. Um, We see Vanessa Williams singing on stage. I mean, she's a beautiful woman, and she can sing. They just choose very bad moments to cut to or bad songs in general song is trash it's trash it's trash it is like i i like jazz and in kind of the i love all sure. music yeah, but it is good. it is it is like the b it's not even a b-side song it is like a d-side song of a fucking when uh frank sinatra did later on before he died he did like a duets album i think it's like that kind of shit where it's like i play the piano and it's really good (laughs) and just put some words together i I, I sing the words that i'm thinking there's no real verses to them yeah i I know what you mean and we could yeah she's she's an amazing singer normally they fucked up the director they (laughs) fucked up with her okay? they should have had her fucking singing blues like yeah. make it a blues bar yeah with a fucking yeah it's it's, it's, a, it's also it's a 50s diner and she's singing at it and, but she's not dressed up like she's not singing 50s music i think that's the problem too is she's singing a different kind of music that would be in a bar like this it's just it has no set direction we don't know like it's it's there's no kid talking to from between the set direction and the director you know what i mean yeah she yeah. looks like kate capshaw in fucking uh temple of doom yeah. you know with like with her gown on yeah yeah Wait, was she not a, a a singer like a star at this point she was yeah, she was big name. so what a missed opportunity to have a, a single on the soundtrack that's actually good 
Like, yeah, by someone who actually is a fantastic yeah. singer. So she could yeah. have been doing a pop song, like you know what I'm saying? Like anything, anything, yeah. anything other than that song. That song killed the momentum. Yeah, guys and gals. Even more. Vanessa Williams, even Williams more. is trash in this movie, but she is a not normally. Again, I completely direct. I blame the director in all of that. She's trash and very unlikable. Also, yeah, yeah very exactly. unlikable outside yep. the, took, of yep. the singing. Yep. Took the taste right out of my mouth. Yep. <laughs> Marlboro walks into the bar while Harley sort of watches Alexander, Daniel Baldwin's character, uh, a.k.a. Doey Baldwin, uh, talk to old man in the corner booth. Harley walks towards them and bumps shoulders uh, with, you know, them, uh, with the, the suits. Then walks over to the man and says, hey, old man, halftime's over. You got a restaurant to run. The old man gives Harley a big hug when he sits down. Behind him is a framed newspaper. The cover says, plane crashes bar, colon, pilot makes happy hour. And it's the bar they're in. Why don't you call it the crash landing bar? You know, like, I, it's, it's so a movie that's about airplane stuff. Go watch Rocketeer. They do better shit with airplane stuff than this movie does. Well, there's a, there's a bar in um, Manhattan Beach, I think it is, that is like, has kind of a history about a plane uh, landing on it or something like that. Probably where they got the inspiration Mm -hmm. for this from. I mean, you could have gotten, you know, but you have so much potential there. But it's called the Rock and Roll Bar and Grill, (laughs) right? Like, and hold on. And then Vanessa's not even singing Rock and Roll. Like, this is the problem with the movie. It feels like different art departments aren't talking to each other. Yeah. Exactly. She's not even singing rock and roll. You could have fucking had like Vanity doing this part and singing a goddamn Vanity song, you know? Anything. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I want to point out too, you brought up the old man, uh, played by Julius Harris, uh, right? And he, he's, he literally is listed as old man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, his, come yeah. On, his, yeah come his name on. is old man. Yeah. No exactly. clever name for him. The guy has been he he uh, he passed away in two thousand four, uh, but he the guy has been in so many tremendous films: Live and Let Die, and you know, um, Taking a Pelham One Two Three, the nineteen seventy six King Kong. Like the guy has been around for a long time. I like that nineteen seventy six King Kong movie, by the way. It's really yeah, it's good. Jeff Bridges, yep. uh, Jessica Lange. Yep. So Harley asks who the guys in the suits were, which was Alexander and his men. The old man says, go back to wherever it is you ran off to. Harley says he has some unfinished business in town. He looks over at Vanessa Williams on stage. The old man says some business is better left unfinished. Harley taps him on the back and says, not this business. Then gets up from the booth and walks in front of the stage. Vanessa sees him and they lock eyes. And another thing, Dustin this this whole plot line of the whole Vanessa Williams and Harley Davidson, it goes up until a point, and that's it. But they're building it up as a love interest thing, right? We can talk more after the sort of resolution okay. and okay. sort of unpack this because, yes, it's it's like there's history for only one side of the party. Right. There's only history for one person. <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll elaborate <laughs> yeah. when, when this basically comes yes. to a conclusion. Yes. Um, Marlboro walks up next to Harley and looks at him, looking at Vanessa Williams, and says, you got a death wish? 
Better leave that one alone, Harley. Harley says, you don't think Jack's still pissed off, do you? Pissed off at you? Nah, he wants to kill you. Marlboro walks over to the payphone on the wall, presses some of the numbers on the keypad, and the wall opens to reveal their friend Jose standing there smiling at them. He gives Harley a big hug. Jose uh, Jose signs, and Marlboro translates to Harley. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the Sorry, signing. Whatever I'm laughing because Dustin yeah. is doing big sign language. This is basically what it seems like. Yeah. Jose says he didn't think Harley would ever come back. He's chomping at the bit, waiting for some action. Harley says, hey, man, me and you are going to rock and roll, brother. Marlboro asks Jose if Jimmy and Jack are in the back. Jose looks at Harley and signs, no way. Marlboro says, he doesn't think you should go in. If you do, you're dead. Harley looks back at Vanessa and says, here we go. Who wants to say it, guys? Dustin. Dustin. Say it. The fi- the famous lines from this movie, probably the best line in, in, in the film. So good that they use it multiple times. Better to be cool and dead than uncool and <laughs> alive. Zach, you want to take a crack <laughs> at it? <laughs> it's better be dead and cool than alive and uncool. He's reading it. He's reading it. No one knows it. So? No one knows it. <laughs> there are no rules. There's yes, no there rules are. to this. Yes, this, they this say it Kumite. a million times. It's Kumite. It's Kumite, bitch. <laughs> three podcasts enter, one leaves. <laughs> All three of them walk into the hidden back park to find everyone illegally betting on an arm wrestling match between Jack, played by John Minton, a.k.a. Big John Stud. By yeah, the way... Love me some fucking uh, 80s WWF wrestlers, bro. Zach, Big John Studd, you know him and love him, right? I had his LJN figure back in the day. He was on the, I think he was on the wrestling, the superstar, the cartoon, the rock and wrestling cartoon as one of the bad guys. Uh, From the books and articles and and, and documentaries I watched on Big John Studd back in the day, apparently he was sweetheart of a guy huge motherfucker like him and andre were him andre and king kong bundy were like three of the behemoths in uh, wwf at the time and um you know apparently he was good vince mcmahon loved him so he gave him opportunities the guy was in pain uh towards the end of his career because of his size and just his bones fucking taking hits all the time and um uh you know he he his body started to fall apart, but Vince would always put him in the spotlight in some way, winning a battle Royal or a Royal rumble or something, you know, and big time deal. And can I just say in a movie where we've, we're going to be discussing and we've already discussed pluses and minuses. I don't put John Mitten in the minus category in this movie. I actually think he does a damn fine job. He's, he's serviceable. I should say is for, for being like a, a wrestler, Dustin, you want to throw in on this one? his I just find him so unbelievable mm. like his well I mean I find the whole movie unbelievable yeah so, yeah but so that's not a problem for me but but please elaborate well I just you know we haven't we haven't touched on this yet in in real time but but from a character who is you know just so angry right about about having being betrayed being betrayed by his best friend who slept with his 
girlfriend or, 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 you know, we learned a wife now, maybe some, some time has gone by. She's now his wife, whatever. It's just, it's just this kind of, I love her, Harley. You know, I, I, she's, she's my wife. Like, it's just so, what do I want to say? This, this whole thing to me is so humorless. This entire scene is so, this doesn't seem like friends really at all, other than the fact that, um, Jose is smiling. That's it. <laughs> yeah. We, we see Jimmy, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, t- uh, taking bets. Harley asks Marlboro if Jack has gotten bigger. Maybe a little. Jimmy yells that the books are closed and it's time for the main event. Jack and the other guy lock hands together. And by the way, that other guy has huge fucking arms. Bigger than Big John Studd's arms. Let's be honest. That dude's is probably jacked. stronger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys know about that guy? Do you know, no, know any do fun you? fact? Oh, no, I don't. I just thought. Oh. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> no. Seemed like something Zach would be like, that. that's a uh, junkyard dog. <laughs> no, but my, my guess my guess is he was an extra and over the top. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they use the over the top uh like he, uh, arm wrestling thing with the two pads and the thing to hold your arm, you know. Yeah, it's a legit thing. Yeah, it's a real thing. So they're going to have an arm wrestling match. Jimmy tells them to be fair and be cool, and they start arm wrestling. It looks like Jack, that's Big John Stud, is about to lose when he looks over and sees Harley standing there. He gets enraged and slams his opponent's hand down, winning the match. Jimmy yells, God damn it. Jack and Jimmy walk over to Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man, and Jimmy asks, God damn it, Harley, what are you guys doing back here? Harley says, I missed all you guys. Jack says, I'm going to kill you, Harley. Marlboro mumbles, I told you. Harley says, look, Jack, I don't want to fight you. We're friends. Jack shoots back, was friends. Harley says, can't we talk this out? Talk's cheap, and I'm not buying any. Harley asks, hey, Jimmy, want to help me out here a little? Jimmy replies, it's your world, Holmes. I'm just living in it. Jack smashes the bottle he was drinking out of and points the jacket, the jagged end and says, hurry up, Harley. It's going to be bloody, but quick. Again, this is like there's some cool dialogue lines that I really like. I like the whole like this is your world. I'm just living in it. And I like I really like that. It's going to be bloody, but quick. But not something a friend would say. Like, I would never get ma- so mad at you two. Well, I guess if you slept Myra, I slept with Myra, I'd, I'd kill you guys. But and, when? You know? But when I when, know. when did this happen? Because the history <laughs> is so unclear. Like, but when did I do that? When did right. this happen? <laughs> it's going to be bloody, but quick, Dustin. Unlike this movie, which is bloody, but not quick. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dustin. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. You're, you're doing great, doing my, my friend. Best. You're doing great. Harley tells him to hold on and gives his jacket to Marlboro. Jose signs, go with God. Harley turns around and says, hey, now, Jack, you know, hey, now, Jack. <laughs> well, I just want to interject because there's this, there's this little aside where it's like, what did he say? Via con Dios. What's that mean? Like, it's just so dumb. Like, it's just so like. Because you're right, it could just be like "go with God," but what? But then Harley doesn't know what that means. He's never heard that phrase. And then, yeah. Anyway, it's, no, you're you're right. Yeah. I I I heard it. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to write this down because I have 21 <laughs> pages, anyways. But right. you know what? No, Let's talk. Here we but, are. Here we are, anyways. <laughs> but but, you're right. but these things matter. 
Yes, no, you're right. And, and you're right. If we're going to get into the nitty gritty, everything matters. Um, and so kind of go back to what the discussion was earlier about Harley Davidson. He starts out in this movie at a 10 on the coolness factor. First scene, he's a 10. This movie chips away at him the entire time to the point where it kind of shows, portrays that he's kind of a dum-dum. You know, like he's supposed to be a moron, but he's cool because he's Mickey Rourke. So like our human brains don't put it together that we're not supposed to like him because he's fucking Mickey Rourke. Like, let's admit, he's still fucking awesome right now. He's Mickey Rourke, you know, but he's supposed to be a dumb dumb. Yep. I mean, we, we we don't know, right? The only way we would ever know is if we interviewed Don Michael Paul, who wrote the screenplay. Yeah, and I love. I would love. I would be curious to see if the screenplay is available online. Sometimes they are. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes they are. But everything we've heard up until this point so far, you know, is that he did this movie for money, and he's trying to bring something different, like doing his own improv shit. I wonder if he wanted to bring. Maybe he thought, oh, this is just some pointless action movie. With no comedy. This thing needs comedy. And just brought this, like, element to it where you're like, dude, stop fucking... Right. Because you, you, you said he was at a 10, I agree. I'd say now he's at, like, a 5 yeah. at this point. He, already. He, he yeah. Drops, already. Yeah, he drops yeah. fast. He drops fast. Now, again, like we've been saying the whole time, there are micro mo- moments of coolness here. And I'll call it out in one second. He says, hey, now, Jack, you know the last time we did this, I kicked your ass. I like how Marlboro is sort of on the side. He reminds him, that was in high school, Harley, and Jack had a broken arm. Harley replies, well, I'm the one that did it. He keeps circling Jack, who looks over at Marlboro for a split second, and Harley takes the advantage and punches him in the face. Then he bites his arm to make him drop the glass bottle. Then, very impressively, body slams Jack, a.k.a. Big John Stud to the ground. You can tell by the strain on Mickey Rourke's face that he is really lifting up big John stud. And I got to give him fucking props for this moment. Are we implying that that fight in high school had something to do with Vanessa Williams or no, or, or just, that's just unresolved. He, you know, right. Harley ran away. These are all the things that I want to know myself, dude. And, and, you know, again, later, the fact that like everyone dies, all of these interpersonal relationships are kind of moot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, what does it fucking matter? Because Vanessa Williams is going to be a widow in T minus 30 minutes. <laughs> and if Mickey Rourke could be like, I'm going to swoop in and, and now rescue you. But Vanessa Williams disappears. So you're like, well, what the fuck was like the point of any of this? Is he fighting? Yes. Is Mickey Rourke fighting for Vanessa? He's not. And you'll find out in a second. It kind of, I'll we'll yeah. even go further. Uh, unfortunately, Harley gets cocky and Jack takes Jack takes his legs out, knocking him to the ground. Marlboro says to Jose, I like this. I love this line, actually. He was doing pretty good up till there. <laughs> Jack gets to his feet, then picks up Harley, grabs him by the throat, nuts. And I love how everyone's like, oh, throws him against the door. It bounces Harley back into his arms and Jack throws him out the second floor window into the alley and through a roof of a car. I typed out all that guys. Jack yells, I'm going to kill you. Harley Then jumps out of the window into the same car, grabs him and pulls him close and says, I'd kill for you. Harley. How could you do that to me? Harley says, I've always been bad company with good looking women in the room. Stay away from her, Harley. I love her. We're married. 
While still being choked, Harley says, It's always only been you, Jack. She loves you. Just you. Jack asks, Never you? And kind of pulls Harley in for a hug. So... Now we're at a point where where Jack's or I'm sorry Harley's like Jack. I'm telling you, man, she's all, I made a pass at her, and she's always loved you. So now you're like, okay, so why was he looking at Vanessa Williams, you know, sort of before, and now, so did you just come back to tell Jack that <laughs> to tie it? Right, the unfinished the business. Mess. The unfinished business is this. So you this get thrown it. out of a window, break your neck, landing on a car, someone's and car, this, and this is it. There's no more. Of yeah. the Harley Davidson Lulu, which is Vanessa Williams' character nope. name. There's no more of that. Nope. The, the, this this script is a hot mess, and I don't know if I blame Don Michael Paul because I don't. I guarantee you, this became a hot mess in in you know shooting during shooting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big budget. You know, big studio, big cast. I'm sure, producers and whatnot had their hands in the in the pot swirling around. Oh, we got to change this around. We got to do this with that character. If yeah, it, it, like you guys said in the beginning, it was about the drugs, and now it's about him saying uh, apologizing to his buddy from high school. Like what the fuck? It's suddenly it's all just d- dissolving. Everything that you started out with is pretty much off the table now. And, and you can maybe say that him wanting to go back to apologize to Jack was his impetus for leaving. You know what I mean? But that it's not like. This is only sort of happenstance. Like, I I wish he came there to actually, you know, here's what I wish. Again, I wish maybe watching the girl he was fucking die from crystal meth or whatever this thing is, you know, or his girlfriend die from that maybe makes him realize he wants to right the wrongs in his life. He comes back here to tell Jack, look, I'm sorry. You know, I know that this big thing happened with me and your girlfriend then wife now, but I just want to tell you nothing really happened because she loved you. It, It does this. What we get doesn't make Lulu like any better because we don't know if they fucked or something, you know? What what could have helped? What could have helped is when he look, took out that photo in the beginning of the movie and looked at his girlfriend, it could have been a photo of the whole gang mm. from high school. Yes. And be like, I want to get back together with my buddies, you know? Simply that. Yep. Agreed. Simply that. And he's like, yeah, yep. And then that would have just led to him wanting to get back together and then apologizing for what had happened. But he didn't even walk into the bar to apologize. No. You know what else would have helped if, is if Don Johnson turned to him and was like, did you guys fuck? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, did you guys fuck? Yeah. Is that story here? Yeah. Like, maybe use Don Johnson as, like, the audience member to be, yeah. like, you know, explain things. But, yeah. you know, okay. All right. Well, this is, I mean, there's going to be a lot more problems like these moving forward. But, again, I'm going to try to call out the shit that I love. And a lot of times it's the dialogue that I think is really fucking cool. There's a small time jump. And the old man is chastising everyone. He says, should have never let you back in the door, Harley. Jimmy is giving people their cut of the money, and Harley ices his shoulder. Jack says, sorry, boss. Jimmy lays into him. God damn it, Jack. You're my brother-in-law, and I love you. But that don't get back the couple of grand we lost tonight. The deal is, you lose and don't tear his fucking arm off. The old man and I have enough problems. We're just trying to make as much money as we can before we lose this place. So, yeah, that was the scam they were running. And now we know Jimmy is 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 his brother-in-law. Jimmy is the son of the old man and Lulu is the daughter of the old man. Marlboro chimes in from the bar. What do you mean lose this place? It's a landmark. Jimmy says, don't mean shit, Holmes. If money talks and bullshit walks, we walk in. 
Harley asks the old man what the story is. Now, I'll read it. In 56, I leased this property when nobody wanted to be seen on this side of the hill. And in 66, I renewed the lease on my own terms. $350 a month for 30 years. That's pretty damn fucking good. In 21 days, those 30 years will have run out. And now with the whole world flying into Burbank, they're trying to strong arm us for $2.5 million for a five-year lease. They're going to put up another skyscraper. Now, I think that's pretty accurate to downtown Los Angeles in the future, but not Burbank. What's the, what, I, what is the $2.5 million lease that we're talking about here? For, you know, For five years. For five years. And... You know, I, it, this whole, whole thing just seems so like out of the blue. Like, like these these imbeciles have just been sitting on the fact that this lease is going to end, and they've done nothing proactive <laughs> at all. Yeah. Now, not only do they, you know, they're running this arm wrestling scam, and that's however that's not going to get two point five million dollars. No, I mean, so this makes no sense. And then you've got, uh, you know, this broken window now that, that Jack has just destroyed and all this other damage that's now on the bar. So on top of that, I mean, at some point you cut your losses. And, and retire. You don't. You're, you're, you're an old man. Yeah. You retire. There's no quest for $2.5 million in how, how many days do they have? Uh, 21 days. 21 days to get $2.5 million alone from the bank, whatever. The, the logic is already just so... Stupid. And it's only for five years. What are they going to do after the five years? They're going to have to do it again. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it it would be one thing if they, if it'd be one thing if you said, you know, uh, I don't know, if if we could come up with this money that, that, that the place would be ours for life or whatever. Yeah. 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 You're right. It, it, the, the stakes were weirdly, they're big, but, but finite. You know what I mean? Like because it's like we're trying to get 2.5 million but it's only for 5 years. It, it should have been like I want to make my you know deal be like $1000 a month for, you know, for whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah. get what you're saying. Let's I, I just, do get what you're let's saying. Let's just do the quick math here, okay? So far up to the entire life of this fucking barn grill, he's only spent 129,000. Let's let's round up. $130,000 for 30 years. Yeah. In that he, time. In a very successful business. In a very clearly. successful business that's by an international airport. Have we made no money? Yeah. Have we, yeah. Not, exactly. have we not Have we not saved? <laughs> have we not, you know, inflation? Because if you invested anything, any of the earnings of the bar, you'd be fine. I kind of have the feeling that Dustin is siding with uh, the bad guys. I I am siding with the bad guys. I am totally siding with the bad guys because, you know, whatever, they're supposed to be, you know, uh, slumlords or whatever. But the fact is, you've run a business like like a clown. And everything that these guys do in this entire movie, they're all clowns. Yeah. Every last one of them. Yeah. Both of those statements, you are not wrong. Harley asks who's trying to strong arm him. Old man says the bank. What bank? Great Trust Bank. Harley puts it together. Oh, the suits, referring <laughs> to Alexander and his men earlier. Harley then says... Good work, Harley. Yeah, right. There's only one place to get that kind of money so fast. Jimmy says no suit is going to loan them $2.5 million. Harley says he ain't talking about no, no loan. Marlboro doesn't like where this is going. Jimmy and Jack don't get it. Marlboro says... 
He's going to say we should rob the bank. We ain't robbing any bank. We ain't bank robbers. Harley says they owe it to the old man. They grew up in that place. We'll get some backstory here. The old man says they don't owe him anything, but Harley says if it wasn't for him, they'd all be face down in the gutter. Vanessa Williams walks in and said, Lulu says she's ready to go. Jack says, okay, baby, in a minute. But she says, now. Jack says, count me out of this one, guys. I made a promise to Lulu. And they leave the bar together. You know what? I'm on Big John Studd's side for this one. If you got if you got Vanessa Williams as your wife, happy wife, happy life, man. I'd be could have could have easily put a button on that scene with Harley going, "Man, I'm glad I left Jack have her or something like that." You know, but he didn't. They like don't even bring it back after that. Yeah, she or she could have been like. What the hell is he doing here? Does she yeah. ever she talk didn't... to him? Do they ever yeah. have an interaction? We, Never. No. We, on, we only get that look it's that so they share when he walks in. That's... And in 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 you know movie language, we're all waiting for now make Vanessa Williams Harley yes. Davidson's love interest, right? Yes. Like yeah, that but they abandoned it's not. It. They abandoned it. Yeah, they do. They abandon it. They abandon a lot of plot points in this movie. Um and good job, Zach. You cut me off from saying that uh, Vanessa Williams is my wife. I'd be blasting her out every night. So, Harley looks <laughs> back her at out. The... <laughs> oh, my Harley God. looks back at the remaining guys and says, I really love this place. What are you, fucking Lenny Dykstra? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I really love this place. It's home. And if we got to rob a bank to save it, I'll do that. But I can't do it alone. You guys are going to have to give it up, too. We see shots of everyone nodding. Then Marlboro Man takes a cig out of his mouth and smiles. And and here's another thing: like it's like okay, you're like you go want to do this? Let's do this. Like yeah, let's do this. We're ready to do it. But it's weirdly it doesn't become the kind of movie where it's it's they they do it, but then it goes a different way. So. But meanwhile, they're all like, we don't want to do this. And he's like, no, we're doing it. And they're like, yeah, 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 because the script tells us we got to be excited about this. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But, yeah. but yet, but yet, we're a bunch of guys who probably had a rough upbringing and steered ourselves straight. So now we're like, hey, yeah, I just feel like we also needed more. Like now, like at this point, like what are the MacGuffins? Is it the drug? Is it the saving the bar? Is it uh, Harley Davidson's uh, uh, ex girlfriend, or is it Vanessa Williams? We have like five potential MacGuffins up in the air, and spoiler alert, it's. Saving the bar is what it really boils down to. And I thought too about the whole money thing because I'm trying to trying to find some way of like having it make sense. They could have easily dropped the line in there, like you know, ever since the new, ever since the the new president, you know, inflate the ever since the new whatever because it's set five years in the future, anything's possible, right? They could have inflation. Inflation's gone through the roof, and this place was. I was paying $130 a month, and now I'm paying, you know, $18 yeah. million or whatever. You know what I'm saying. Anything. Agreed. Cut to an armored van driving through downtown L.A. We, <laughs> we see Marlboro waiting at an intersection, and he jumps on the back of the van and holds on as it drives off. Jimmy is dressed like a DWP worker and directs the van past a fake detour, causing it to go a different route. Marlboro gives him the thumbs up as it drives by. Once they get out of range, Jimmy slides down the open manhole and gets into a parked pickup truck in the sewers and speeds off. 
Up top, Marlboro's made his way to the roof of the speeding armored van. He gives a thumbs up to Jose, who's also dressed like a DWP uh, worker and waving the van down another alternate route. Once they drive by, he quickly picks up the hazard cones. The van comes to a stop because there is a line of cones in the road with a construction worker sitting over a manhole, over an open manhole, with his back to the vehicle. The drivers radio to dispatch that they are in the shipyard. The guard in the passenger seat gets out of the van with his hand on his pistol and tells the hard hat to move. They have a delivery to make. Harley spins around with his shotgun aimed right at the guard. The one in the driver's seat presses a silent alarm button on the dashboard. Outside, Harley tells the guard to drop his gun, and the guy says, You're not going to like what you're getting into, pal. The driver now gets out of the vehicle with his gun drawn. Harley says, From 15 feet away, there's a slight chance you could miss me. The camera focuses on the shotgun. I could be blind as a bat and still blow your head off. Drop it. Just then, from the roof of the armored van... Marlboro, who has a bandana over his mouth like a proper train robber, shoots the gun out of the driver's hand, then shoots his belt buckle off. Harley says, think fast, and throws his shotgun at the other guard, which I (laughs) love, and knocks him off balance enough for Harley to tackle him. By the way, I always love it when you throw something at somebody and they have to catch it because it's like an instinctual thing, and then you like attack them while they're catching it i just i love that Mm -hmm. trope i always do i did that when i got jumped by those uh kids back in i want to say 93 maybe 92 i know that Uh, story what did you throw at them for them to catch while you were i was holding the basketball Ah. and the one kid came at me and i threw the basketball at him yeah and And did he like he he was like ah yeah like it kind of Made him Once flinched a little bit, and I'm like, look, I don't want to fight you. And he's like, I don't want to fight you either, you did, know? Did like, you knock his head off like in My Deadly Friend? <laughs> no, I wish. It looked a little bit more like, ah! No, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but no, that, that it's a really, it's actually, uh, you know, at this point, it's like I, I, I'm embracing his buffoonery. Yeah, And yeah. the fact that he can't shoot worse shit, yeah. now he's a comedic fodder. And like, as far as comedy is concerned, it's funny. No, no, I'm I'm completely fine with him throwing the shotgun at the guy and then tackling him. I, I have no problem with that. I also love this scene. Marlboro jumps down to the pavement, causing his bandana to drop from his face. And he's <laughs> looking funny. right at the other guard. And he says, shit. Because <laughs> 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 while he puts it back up, the driver sort of stares at him. Uh, Jose and Jimmy climb out of the manhole and they tie up the dude. And they tie up the two security guards. Uh, so they're sitting back to back on the road in front of the armored van. Marlboro says, guns are made to be shot, Harley, not thrown. The driver says to Marlboro, you're about the deadest shot I've ever seen. Where'd you learn to do that? Marlboro replies, read a book, came with the gun. And this is I, this is another moment that I think is kind of cool. They don't like elaborate on the fact that Marlboro Man is a good shot. But he's the cowboy. That's his purpose. He's supposed to be a good shot. And it just, he is. And I love that. And he doesn't explain it. He doesn't, it's it's not something that he does for trickery or fun. He just is. And I, I mean, Marlboro Man is my favorite character in the, of the movie at this point. But Dustin, what what do you think, what is your take on his sort of almost magical, almost Jedi level of like being able to shoot, you know? I wish that there had been a little explanation as far as maybe him having served or something 
being a marksman, just giving him some backstory and why, you know, because I, I totally buy, like, if he doesn't want to talk about certain things like his boots and he doesn't want to talk about his feelings and he's a closed off dude. But I would have liked if he had, you know, because it doesn't it doesn't track for him to be such a great marksman and such an inept criminal <laughs> unless, you know, unless there's some... Yeah explanation or something like where he is just a guy who's going along to do this for his friends. And I have a real problem. I have a real problem with this whole scene. I feel like these are just clowns. You know, Don Johnson is the best. He is my favorite character by far. You know, he has a very casualness about all this, but he also, you know, this is when it kind of starts to unravel where where he's kind of like, wow, Harley is a jackass. Like, like he starts to realize it, you know, when, when, uh, and and it, and he really realizes it, you know, uh, upcoming when they realize that, that they haven't stolen any money. But the fact is, is like, this is this is a clown show. This yeah. entire robbery is an absolute clown show. And the irony is, is that the the dialogue from the the security guard here is going to sort of call it out too. Yep. So the driver asks who they are, and Marlboro introduces himself and Harley, and he says, you know, the name of the movie, yeah. I love it when they say the name in the movie. But uh, the driver says they look like two-bit hoods to him, which is, uh, I think, speaking from Dustin's mouth. Just then, Jose blows the back door off the armored van. This is probably my favorite line of dialogue. Harley leans down and says, does that look like the work of two-bit hoods? I love how the driver says, yeah, pros would have used my keys. And I kind of think that's the thesis for this entire film. I think that guy right there was like, you guys are morons. And I think, Dustin, you're yep. right. They are. And But the thing is, I think at this point, the mu- the movies also teen us up that they are morons. Zach? You know what I just realized when you said that is there was a movie that came out uh, maybe a little bit before this or a little bit after. I'm foggy on the, the year it came out. But uh, Disorganized Crime mm. with... Uh, Lou Diamond Phillips and I mean the Corbin Burnson the, it's Ruben Blade it's got an amazing cast that movie's uh really fun it's a great fun uh caper film when was the last time you saw it is it fun yeah it is <laughs> okay okay it is I don't remember it, it I didn't say it was great I said it's fun uh but is it, this a, is this young Zach saying it's fun no is this no is this is Zach? a movie that I've I've watched I, I watched okay. for all right just uh, at least 10 times at least in that, but, but, uh, but, but a perfect example of like bumbling idiots, but that movie knows it's a comedy from the mm-hmm. beginning. This and, movie doesn't. And this mm-hmm. movie thought ton- it was, a, this movie totally doesn't know what it is. No, it's all over the place. Yeah. And at this point right now we're doing a comedy. We're doing disorganized crime. Right. In a minute we're going to be doing like fucking, uh, casualties of war, you know? Yeah. As the boys are clearing out the bags from the back of the armored van and dropping them down the open manhole, Harley says to the lead security guard, nice doing business with you. The driver says, your business isn't with us, it's with them. Harley looks back as a black sedan drives up to the scene. Five men in long black Kevlar trench coats get out of the car and stand there in a straight line. By the way, LaFours is one of them. LaFours! LaFours! Hmm. Two confirmed kills. Captain Power, uh, yep. Predator, fucking, fucking, fucking Arnold, Arnold's boy. Me, me, me standing behind him at the at the gas station in Santa Monica. Sven Olinson, uh Yeah, he's. I, I love him. He will always be LaFours to me. 
Alexander, which is Daniel Baldwin from the club earlier, is in the center of them. Harley runs to the back of the truck to warn the rest of his friends as the trench coat goons pull out machine guns and start firing at the truck, clearly not caring about the drivers, and you do see they get killed. Marlboro and the rest of his of the guys return fire, but it doesn't seem to be able to, pen- to penetrate the Kevlar. Just then, Jack comes riding in on his motorcycle to save the day. He opens the gas can on his bike, then slides it at the trench coat goons. Jack lights the trail of fuel and sets the bike on fire. The trench coat goons jump over it in unison, and the bike hits, hits their car and blows up. Marlboro, Harley, and the gang use the time to make their escape down the manhole. You see the guards they, they tied up are shot dead. Uh, they pi- they all pile into the back of the pickup truck with the bags of cash and speed off down the sewer. So, Dustin, I've seen this movie three times in as many weeks. But yet in my mind still, I can see them jump over that bike in beautiful, perfect unison. And it was fucking amazing. In reality, it was sloppy, not in unison, and not that cool but 12 year old Corey thought it was fucking awesome how does that i'm at dustin at this point as a human being how does my brain change what i saw like what what happened there man i think it's a lot of things because up until this point we haven't seen anything really cool in the movie and this is kind of the first stunt you know if you will Mm -hmm. um i have no idea what jack's role was in this heist in case guys show up with trench coats, just drive like an idiot and th- throw you know throw your bike at them and set it on fire. I don't know. I, yeah, I found Big John stud. This 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 is <laughs> so laughable. But I, I think yeah, I think to your point, like it's it is cool as a as a young Corey. This this probably <laughs> yeah. was cool. And and these guys who you you know at this point we don't know are they cyborgs? Are they humans? Are they? You know, what What are Harley and Marble Man up against? We really don't know. Right. And they, and they seem sort of futuristic-y, sort of. And they have, and they have they the do. guns, the futuristic guns, uh, which are those European, um, I think, SASs or whatever with the clip in the back. Mm-hmm. But at the time, that was all, like, futuristic-y and neat-looking, you know? Yeah. And there is something just in how this scene is set up where it's like, your beef's not with us. You know, it's with them. It's, you know, they're the, you know, oh... And these are these are the villains, you know. These are the the goon squad, if you yeah. will. Um, so, to a degree, it is exciting because we're like, oh, we're getting some, we're getting some action. It's our first uh, shootout in the movie, and um, but yeah, the reality is, it's I, I'm just so like these clowns are in in so over their heads, and they have no idea what they're doing, and they have no idea, you know. Who, who they're robbing yeah but yeah yeah clowns clowns zach how, how how does this hold up for you now compared to young zach when you saw this well it's so disjointed you know the way you the the, the way you described it like the bumbling and sloppy with the the guys jumping over it's kind of a it's a good uh you know way to describe this movie in many ways like because because this could go it's like a it's a silly scene that suddenly gets super serious. And there was th- this early nineties thing was so, uh, there's so many movies that I can think of that 
kind of took this Terminator type character. Right. It was yeah. so like popular. the bad guys are, are, are like no emotions. They're just yeah. I know what you yeah, mean. It's unstoppable. Like yeah. I, the guy and I come in peace. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or yeah. Fucking. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there's or the, the the in the perfect weapon, the the main uh, villain in that. Uh, like, it was this stuff is so kind of cliche. Um, you but, know, but at I the think, time it wasn't necessarily. I think it wasn't, but I think there. Were, I think at the same time it was. It was, it was like a lot there. of action movies were. Yeah, but but Big John Studd's character, you know, like he wasn't supposed to be there, right? Yeah. He, uh, didn't he say something? There's a throwaway line like, "I'm not." My, my wife said I can't go, or he, something like that. Yeah, the last scene. Yeah, he count me out of this one, guys, and then he comes in like a Deus Ex Machina scenario, you know? Basically. Yeah, to save the oh, day. Oh, I yeah. see. So he's so he's really he he's not involved, and he's really just coming in because he. He sensed there, that he was going to be needed. Yeah, I, his big, his studliness, uh, his stud sense went off, and he, he was a stud finder. His stun finder <laughs> it went off. It just, it, it's <laughs> knowing what's coming next. It, it, it's a, it's a letdown because you're like, oh, you're killing all the guys off, you know. But he yeah, seems to be very like because I asked because he seems to know the plan very well. Like he's like, come on, guys, let's go down the manhole. Yeah, I know where like, they're. He, he knows where they're going to be. He knows I mean, where clearly, they, yeah. he knows where they are. Yeah, yeah. Like he was a part of the whole discussion, but then he's like, oh, I can't go. You know, it's complete Deus Ex Machina. It's just comes out of nowhere to save the day. Yeah, and it's and twelve year old me thought it was cool as shit. Forty four year old me, you know, doesn't think it's it's that cool, but at the same time, also doesn't want Big John Stud to die. Like, actually cares about the characters now. You know, whereas before it kind of didn't matter. Now I'm just like, no, guys, no, you're all signing your death warrants. No, right. No. Guys, this way. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> My giant fucking hands. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, he's a big dude. He Riddled with big, arthritis. He's a big boy. Point. I'm sure. So I'm watching him do that stunt, and I'm like, oh, God, that must have hurt him so bad. Probably. But he didn't complain. He just went and fucking did it, probably. Cut to them pulling into an air, airplane graveyard, and everyone is cheering. As they are celebrating, Jimmy opens one of the bags and says, you boys might want to take a look at this shit. He dumps the contents into the back of the truck and says, unmelted pure crystal dream. Harley says, what the fuck is that? And what the fuck is it doing here? And then my note is, wasn't he listening to the radio at the beginning nope, of the movie? No. Mickey Rourke was not. No. Jimmy says it's a drug and he doesn't know what it's doing here. Marlboro says they jumped the wrong train. We find out that Jose's little brother OD'd on Crystal Dream, and he's not keen on selling it. <laughs> I like that. Marlboro reassures him they aren't drug dealers. I like that, too. Jimmy lays into Harley for the whole thing. He says this was no walk in the park. These guys are killers. They wasted their own men trying to get the, the drugs back, which I'm talking about the, the drivers of the truck, which I was like, okay. At least somebody remember those poor bastards. Uh, Marlboro says what's done is done. There ain't no turning back now. Cut to, uh, the great trust bank in downtown LA. Chance Wilder played by Tom Sizemore is asking Alexander who these men are that stole from him. Alexander says, judging from their abilities and data, we gathered they're dilettantes. (laughs) (laughs) Details would suggest they're not aware of the cargo they've stolen. What's a dilettante? What is that? So I looked it up, and it's like basically it's an artist who who wants to be an artist or whatever, but doesn't perfect the craft. It's like an amateur. 
an amateur artist. And and he and he, the thing is, Alexander says calls them dilettantes multiple times to the point where I was like, this is this is fucking Princess Bride. I don't think that yep. word means what you think it means. It's just it's not <laughs> as cool as you think it means. No, you know, no. <laughs> Details would suggest that they are not aware of what the, the cargo they've stolen. Wilder says, if they're amateurs, how'd they destroy two vehicles and then manage to get away with the goods? Alexander says they're extremely lucky. Wilder chuckles and says, I don't have time for luck, now do I? Now get back what's mine and kill these men, Alexander, okay? Huh. Now kill these men, Alexander, okay? And again, we're kind of going back to the, you know, it's 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 the early 90s. You know, in the late eighties, the uh the, the businessman was the biggest criminal, you know, in, in America at that point, you know. So it's a big role for for a young Sizemore to play. And I don't think he handles it very well. It's a it's a meaty role. Like to deliver those lines with with kind of gravitas and impact and he just doesn't. Like it's just so you know, it's it's not a knock on him really. It's just it's not the right role for him. No, but but I think you were a hundred percent accurate. When you just said it's a big role for a young Sizemore to play, I don't think he was ready for this role. He does not seem like the authority on anything. No. 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 He seems like the assistant. He'd be a good assistant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He comes across as like a weaselly assistant. Yeah, guy. the guy behind the guy. I mean, I just think yeah. that there should be some some big Mr. Big somewhere. Can I throw out a suggestion? Reverse Daniel Baldwin with Tom Sizemore. Not saying it's perfect, but it might be better than what we got. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a, yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm better with that. Yeah, I think, it, I think it might have worked better. Not ideal, but if you had to play with the same character, play, the players that you have, I would have reversed those. Two. Yeah, it's stronger. How about they're all played by Daniel Baldwin and it's like clones and they're all clones of each other. Fucking put a gun in my mouth fucking now. No, like they're all brothers. <laughs> they kind of are anyway. I mean, that's how it sort of Christ. seems. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I think a part of me was like, I wondered if they were going with that with the trench coat mafia where they were all supposed to look the same at first. I think in the trailer, I remember feeling like I saw the trailer and I thought they all looked the same. And when I realized they all don't, I'm like, oh, aren't they supposed to all look the same? Like, isn't that the gimmick? You know what I'm saying? Aren't they all supposed to jump over the motorcycle in unison? (laughs) Yes. The answer is yes. My my brain remembers. Cut to the Rock and Roll Bar and Grill. (laughs) Vanessa Williams is singing. Cut to to Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa Williams, here's my note, is singing another terrible song. And you walked into the joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie single-handedly makes Vanessa Williams look unattractive and untalented. And she's not either. Yeah. Where's where's Andrew Dice Clay to give that (laughs) famous line from Ford Fairlane? What is it, Corey? What's this asshole smiling about? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) where <laughs> she's got a shave when so she goes out about. in a dress like that. And no, I don't mean former. your legs. <laughs> oh, man, let's just do fucking a Fort Fairlane right now. Oh Dustin, we're just doing I'm Fort in. Fairlane. Just cutting these right pricks now. Do it. with their guns. Oh, my hair. Oh, shit. Harley says, oh, man, we really fucked up big, Marlboro. How the fuck was I supposed to know somebody's using a, a bank? 
as a front for drugs. You know, they're sitting at a booth, by the way. I, I kind of didn't mention that. Oh, thank Wouldn't God it be funny if it. some little thank kid God. behind them is like, Mommy! <laughs> What's going on, Mommy? <laughs> yeah, because this is not like a seedy club. Like, it's tr- it's supposed to be, but it's not. That's, right. what's, what, that's what doesn't work about it. Marlboro just says, uh, Harley, I'm tired and I'm pissed. And I'd just like to unwind. Stop thinking. And this is this is like, I didn't pick up on this line until I broke it down. Harley says, fuck, man, now I got to think of a way to make things right. And I was like, ah, oh, that's that's clever. He's telling Harley not to think. Harley's like, oh, I got to think of a way because he's not listening. There's, again, micro, I'm going to keep saying it, micro moments that I actually really fucking like. A micro moment that I think is pointless and I don't like. A waitress with a name tag of Sally, but whose real name is Honey, sits next to Harley and flirtatiously asks him for a ride home after her shift at 10. She leaves, and Marlboro says his daddy always said the right woman can make you and the wrong woman can break you. Harley pulls out the picture in his wallet and says, uh, Jesus, all right, sorry, guys. (laughs) Harley pulls out the picture in his wallet and says he just woke up one day and she was gone. No note, no kiss, goodbye, no nothing. Harley says, I still have feelings for her deep inside. And this is the last time he'll mention her. Yeah. Another plot point that gets abandoned. Yeah. Marlboro puts an unlit cigarette in his mouth and says, Partner, I only know two cures for that particular ailment. And since you don't drink anymore, you're down to one. He takes a shot of whiskey and says, Let me borrow your bike. Harley says he has to take Sally home. Marlboro says uh, says to get a cab. Guys, I'm terrible at at this. No, Guys, no, no. I mean, after after four years, I'm terrible at breaking down a movie. Doesn't make <laughs> sense. I mean, even that doesn't make sense. It, well, in, in, that doesn't so, like you know what the, the 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 scene doesn't make sense. So you're absolved of your sins. <laughs> Harley doesn't drink. Marlboro doesn't smoke. There's like a thing there, I guess, right? But then Marlboro starts smoking, but Harley doesn't start drinking. No, he never does, which is fine. But you know, like who cares, really? Uh, but the, the yeah, the whole thing with like the the woman, if that was a callback, or just said you know, ever since nowhere. she died, no, it goes nowhere. It's such a shame because there's potential there. There's so much potential for this movie to be so much better than it actually is. Maybe that's why I like. I try to like it. <laughs> And there's so many, like, screenwriting 101 moments that they fuck up. But then they get other things, like, really right. It's it's such a hodgepodge of... Ma- and, and, Zach, I don't... I really don't want to take away your love from this movie. Um, I never want to do that. I never want to take anyone's joy away. But this movie's hard to love, my man. I, I'm trying. I'm trying, and I've been trying the whole entire time. And, there's, and I will keep calling out moments that I love, but as, as of right now... It feels like there's it's weighed weighed to one side, which is bad, unfortunately. Well, I think when I was younger, I would I would uh, love to watch or uh, put movies on with like out the the sound, like just the visuals. Visually, visually, uh, I find this movie very appealing. And then when the audio kicks in, you know, I'm just like flabbergasted so uh yeah and then i am appalled by what's happening <laughs> well these fucking dilettantes come in here and yeah say um yeah it's this scene is pointless it's a it's a bummer because you're like oh come on like it's fucking 
these guys are they're lousy dudes they're lousy dudes they're all lousy dudes if you really think about it everybody's a lousy dude if, especially if they're gonna fucking rob you know i think it's i think this was their attempt at like the wild wild west where everybody's an outlaw everybody's an outlaw but these guys aren't quite good at it du- dustin and they're just you, yeah apple yes. dumpling gang well if you're the kind of person who likes story and following <laughs> logic and characters motivations this this movie just leaves you at a loss in every in every scene you know we don't know how marlboro's been getting around prior to this prior to asking to get you know harley's bike and um yeah it's just it's i'll have more to say once we kind of get get to the next the next scene involving Chelsea Field, finally, who's like introduced, what is it now? We're like 35 minutes into the movie or 30? Yeah, yeah. 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 In a movie yeah. that's that's about an hour and 38 minutes. Yeah. yeah. she She's coming in pretty much. Yeah. We're yeah. almost at like the 40 minute mark at, at this point. There's like an hour left in the film. Um, cuts of Marlboro speeding through Burbank on Harley's Harley. He pulls up next to a female cop. And does a wheelie and then gives them the bird. I know if I gave Myra the bird, she'd smack me. She turns on her siren and chases Marlboro through the city, including a mall, until they end up at her place in the valley, which very much looks way up in Simi Valley or something. She tells him to put his hands behind his head and pulls her gun on him. Marlboro smiles and says, oh, hell, I was just blowing off a little steam because he's a white man. And if he was a black man, mm-hmm. he would not be blowing off a little steam. He'd be pulling a felony. But since he's a white man, he can smile and say, oh, shucks. Yep. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's true. Yeah, it's fucking it is. True. No, I'm not, is. No, I mean, I, just, yeah. I've been pulled over multiple fucking times high as fuck. And if I wasn't white, I would have fucking gone to jail. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for or me, worse, right? it's an anecdote. Yeah. For somebody else, it's a fucking life story. Yeah. And in 2022, sure. I don't know, man, it kind of fucking pisses me off. But she's a hot cop. She's a hot cop. Yeah. I, I, on, the, on that note, I do love me some hot cops. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> the cop says, yeah. Hashtag well, browsers. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. <laughs> I love those documentaries, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, you blew, you blew in the wrong place. Now kiss the wall and spread them. She frisks him down, then grabs his package and says, <laughs> okay, cowboy, let's blow off some steam. Oh, this movie was written and directed by a man. <laughs> Big, tall, yeah. white man with Big, blonde hair. With, with balls, yeah. baby, balls. Well, Don Michael Paul is one big blonde dude. Like, he's the epitome of, you know, he's big, blonde, blue. I don't know if he's blue-eyed, but fuck it, you know. Yeah. Yep. And then from Nestor Serrano's uh, interview that we did with him, Nestor was like, <laughs> Don was very full of himself insecure and full of himself at the same time yeah guys and gals if you're listening to this on the podcast after dark feed please go to the two dollar lay fee feed and listen to that nestor serrano interview he has some interesting things to say about don michael paul and uh the hat squad too which again like zach said something we we talked about in uh in, in tv obscura but zach and dustin have a fucking fantastic interview with with him so please 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 go check that out thanks Cut to a bedroom at night, and the police uniform is on the floor. 
Marlboro's in bed looking at Virginia, played by Chelsea Field. He asks what's wrong. She says, I'm getting married. God damn it, Robert. I'm tired of waiting around for you to come by when you feel the need. I get lonely. I like to share my bed with someone at night. You know, now that my wife's been out of town for a couple days, I'm not going to lie. I like having the bed all to myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You two are married. Uh, Dustin, real quick, quick, quick question. Uh, uh, Do you like uh, empty bed or full bed with your with your wife? Uh, We have we have a large bed, so I, I, I like I like a full bed. Are you a, are you a king? Are you a California king? Okay, we're king, king, a king size bed, and uh, sometimes the dogs are are in it too. The dogs, the dogs, fucking dominate the bed. Yeah, more than the, we the do. Dustin does. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of my dogs is like nine pounds, and she's does not sleep in bed with us until like five a.m. when she's like, "I'd like to get in bed," and then she just sure. dominates the. <laughs> And then you're like, this is the time that I'll like to not gives me an inch of space. And then I think about Virginia Slim and I'm like, you know, I get (laughs) get lonely. Yeah. Zach, do you prefer a full bed or an empty bed? And this is no judgment on our wives. Just I'm saying, you know, I sleep like a corpse. I know I snore, but I sleep like a corpse. So I don't move around that much. So I should be asking Kristen this question then, not you. Well, she fish. She uh, she starfishes, as she says. So, uh, you know, she, that she takes up most gross. What is that? I, was gonna say, I don't know what that is. <laughs> she she, she sucks uh, onto she, your you know, face she... or like a like like a suction. <laughs> chocolate starfish uh but but um and then once a week uh i we have uh sleepover fridays bodie and i so bodie and i uh jumps in the the spoon he doesn't yeah it's really sweet but um but this scene is like uh, going back to don michael paul written by a dude no 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 chick talks like that like sorry no and and it makes me zach it makes me think back of like um deborah hill uh, working with with John Carpenter, and I think perfect a lot of times, example. huh? Perfect example. Yeah, yeah, like we actually get like in Halloween and stuff, we get female characters that sound like female characters, you know? Yeah, because she's she's like if that's a guy saying that. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, in a way. Yeah, no, know? it's it, I, it, very much Virginia Slim's dialogue felt like it was a man's voice coming out of like her, basically, you know. I've always had a problem too. I, I I know it's just I I know it is what it is, but I've always had a problem too with like adultery, and I just that's probably my biggest hang up in 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 movies because I'm like it's so fucking lame, you know? Because you're painting, like, yeah, Don Johnson is an asshole, but he but the way they make him in this movie, you're supposed to think he's a total awesome badass, right? You're the way the yeah, way like yeah. they ultimately I think that's what they want. Yeah, but he's not a good guy. And and she's fucking she's having sex with him too. I, I just have it's a hot button issue for me. I'm just like that's eh, not okay. Yeah, no, no. Later when when he comes back to her and everything, I, I'm like, you are emotionally stunted, dude. Like you are. It's not cool to just put her through all this. We'll we'll go into that. Yeah, we, when we get there, we we'll, sort of we'll talked go. about this in our previous episode. I think you guys yeah. were like, oh, it's it, you know, it's, it, it's awesome. And I don't think any of this is awesome. I think he's totally. Uh, using her, and if we were going to psychologically analyze him, you know, it would be he—he he knows she's not, she's not attainable. So he's chasing this person who validates him and makes him feel good, knowing that, you know, but, she's, but he's also not giving her anything. No, 
to like no. to like like as far as like a relationship goes as a back and forth um and and i i dustin i i probably by the i'm gonna guess by the end of this episode probably gonna side with you because i i don't think you're wrong on any of these things you call out about marlboro man i think i'm too blinded by don johnson you know what i mean but i think you're right i don't i think he's he's kind of a fucking piece of shit if anything he's just emotionally stunted yeah. at the very yeah. least you know what i mean um but that being said i i would cheat on myra with don johnson in a fucking he, heartbeat he Again, has... said is a completely heterosexual man well he's not he's not like he's not like harley where he's just been gone for two years he's been around yeah he does she does mention later on that like she shares a bed with him maybe once or twice a, a month basically yeah. so yeah. there is an implication that he's not gone as much as harley is right but and i i think too for for me kind of coming full circle with our discussion on the two dollar leafy episode and now this it's ultimately like I, I'm gripping like what 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 was it about this scene or this the scenes they have together that I like so much? They're both really good actors. And Chelsea Field, mm-hmm. you know, she's a really good actor, and I think she brings and we said this in her interview, she brings a really strong presence on screen. Uh, I really do. Like I feel like her her scenes are very heartfelt in the sense believable yeah you know what i'm saying yeah. believable and then don johnson's so fucking charismatic he's so charismatic that even as a piece of shit you're like yeah but he's so charismatic yeah and and you know to dustin's point whether i'm i'm sided with don johnson or not whether he's a good guy or not i am more invested in this relationship than i am invested in like other relationships in the film and i think it's because chelsea field and don johnson are good and in fucking going back to to death spa like you can see chelsea field improving as an actress in this and over the course of a handful of years just a fucking handful she goes from being just a smiley face and you know with a great body in death spa with with a weird you know character story arc to hear, you know, to actually be in a like she holds her own with Mickey Rourke and Don Johnson. That's fucking impressive. I'm not gonna lie. I'm more concerned about what happens in the kitchen in the next scene. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, so she says she gets lonely at night. She wants to share her bed with somebody. Marlboro takes out a cigarette and says, "I am what I am, Virginia." Again, this is written by a man. I've accept, and she says, "I've accepted that and even love it, but I don't have to like it." You can spend the rest of your life looking for whatever the hell it is you're looking for, but someday you're going to have to find yourself. I just can't wait for you to do it anymore. I love you, Robert. But after tonight, you're not welcome here anymore. And then she kind of climbs on him and, you know, has that moment. It's like it's like the last moment, you know? And I I think for only for this to work, it has to be their last moment, you know? Yeah. Cut to the next morning, and Harley <laughs> is making breakfast – Bacon and Coca-Cola? L.A. Guns is playing in the background. So as someone who does make bacon every day, I'm now curious to try Coca-Cola to see if that Mm. would make it any better. In the next room, Virginia gets out of bed. Uh, We see a nice naked Chelsea Field. Some hidden heavy hangers. You guys know what I'm talking about. Can't believe went there. (laughs) I can't but. She puts on a robe and finds Harley destroying her kitchen. He he says, that's for Marlboro. Me and you will go and get something to eat. 
Yeah. So so and she just again written by a guy types woman walks into her own kitchen finds man making breakfast that is destroying her own kitchen woman smiles and laughs that harley signed man that harley (laughs) what a scamp what a scamp i know you can add some people make these uh swedish meatballs with um root beer right or grape jelly and root beer or something like that yeah it's a thing sure and it's it's delicious um i don't know about coke and bacon i remember in uh the, the 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 movie the principal with jim belushi Oh, uh, yeah. He would drink a Carnation Instant Breakfast, and then he adds a Coke one morning to it and tries it. I remember <laughs> trying that; it was disgusting. Um, and so, so it's like, but it's such as oh, the de-evolution of a fucking quite possibly could have been a cool character, no longer. What is he doing there? He's just. Exactly. Why is he there? How did he get there? He fucking puts the pan on the top of the toaster. And it's and it's catching the fucking shit on fire. Yeah. The toaster's catching shit on fire. Yeah, what is he doing there, Dustin? Your question, like, I know what you're asking. Like, how did he get there? How does he know where, where they are? How did he get My in? My question will be, your question, I will throw back at you later in the movie, in the, like in the climax, when, you know, when Marlboro goes there and Harley basically meets up there. It's like one of those things where it's like, if you ask Harley what's he doing there, his only answer that he could give was the script asked me to be. Like if yeah. you ask the character, you know what I mean? It's it, th- this movie it does it throws out logic for for movieisms. And Dustin shaking his head is how I felt about yeah. the same thing. If if it wasn't for the fact that we got to see uh a naked Chelsea Field, I'd be like what was the point of this? But oh, I love me some Chelsea Field. Cut to should have for, told her that in the interview. Yeah, I I, I didn't. Your what heavy I told hangers her was were amazing. That, <laughs> what I told her was that I wanted to have sex with Don Johnson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and she, she agreed appreci- with me. <laughs> she appreciated that. <laughs> she did. I think to the Scott Bakula agreed with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Scott Bakula from the back room is like, I'm with that guy yeah. there. <laughs> Cut to Virginia and Harley eating at a diner. Uh, could it be that Shoney's in Burbank uh, kind of looks like it? Virginia says, what are you two up to this time? Harley asks if she knows anything about the drug Crystal Dream. Virginia says it's 100% addictive and kills one out of seven users. <laughs> Dustin said on a text thread uh, offline, Dustin was up, was sad for me, the fact that I knew that fact because I had to break this movie down. <laughs> Don't mess with yeah. it, she says. Uh, they discuss how the drug works, and Harley boils it down by saying, so it sort of numbs the senses and makes the world look better. His face is covered with pastry, goo, and powdered sugar. Virginia goes on about what the drug does and how it kills people, but none of this matters because the drug isn't part of the film. <laughs> this, all this dialogue is fucking moot. And it's like, and then my note is, why didn't we see someone die using it or something? Uh, The waitress delivers the check and Harley slides it over to Virginia and says, hey, I'm broke. She smiles and laughs because that's what the script tells her to. Uh, As if she likes Harley. Wait till you hear the story from Chelsea's mouth about this scene. You got to listen to the interview to get the whole story on this scene. And all I have to say is... Chelsea Field might be the best actor in this movie. Yep. I won't disagree with that. 
for the shit that she has to put up with. And she works really hard. She works really hard knowing knowing what she went through. She worked really hard in this scene. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Nikki Rourke's mouth glistening with with wet goo and just just oh, it's just so fucking gross. As this, this someone scene, this, who hates hearing the sound of people eating, same. I never knew until I saw this scene that I also hate the visual yeah. of people having jelly all over their face. And I want to reach into the TV and slam fucking Mickey Rourke's head against the table. That's it. how enraged his mm-hmm. face makes me in this scene. And then knowing what Chelsea Field had to go through yeah. for the scene as a whole other layer that, that wasn't even there, but yet I, th- I feel like I felt it. You know what I mean? However, I could totally go for some Denny's right now. I fucking love Denny's. However, I want to eat everything they're fucking mm. eating right there. Yes. Because yes. <laughs> I'm I with lo- you. I love, I, I love to make breakfast. You guys know I yeah. love to make breakfast. I, would, I love it when breakfast is like I go to a diner for breakfast. Ooh, yeah. Zach, I'm with you. You are the reason I eat bacon in my oatmeal. You taught me that. What? Um, yeah, it's, deli- it's delicious. It's delicious. It's fucking delicious. That's what you eat every day? I eat bacon in my oatmeal with fruit and everything, and it's fucking delicious. Uh, said like super troopers. It's powdered sugar. It's delicious. <laughs> Cut back to Virginia's place in the valley. Her and Harley walk up to her garage, and we see three bikes. One is her police motorcycle, and the other is Harley's Harley. Virginia uh, says in in some ways she's jealous of them. The rest of us work so damn hard at life, and you guys just live it one day at a time. She drives off. Harley kind of pushes her face mask down and i i felt like i felt like chelsea field the actor was like fuck you at that moment yeah yeah it's like someone yeah. rustling a kid's hair yeah like, don't exa- fucking rustle a kid's yeah. hair so ex- humiliating exactly or an adult's hair yep yeah exactly <laughs> especially <laughs> yeah she drives off and marlboro comes uh walking out of her place uh while harley sits on his bike he's taping up one of his boots harley asks hey what's with those boots Marlboro barks back, lay off my boots, Harley. I'm in no fucking mood. Now, this dialogue right here implies that this is the first time. It makes it sound like the way that he replies, the way he says it, to me, makes it sound like this is the first time he asks. Later, he says he's asked this question a thousand times. Marlboro asks for a light, and Harley says, I thought you quit. As Marlboro's lighting his cigarette, he looks at the other bike in the garage and says, Whose bike? Harley says, probably hers. Marlboro looks at him and says, she ain't got no Harley. It ain't hers, but I'll bet I know whose it is. His. Marlboro starts to hotwire the bike, but but begrudgingly needs help from Harley. He's going to take my girl. I'm going to take his bike. And they both tear off out of the development together. He's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. (laughs) Right, Dustin? He's a piece of shit. This poor... Okay, and let's and let's all right. Let's talk about what is left in the kitchen right now, because no one cleaned that. <laughs> a mess, a fucking right? mess. Is so what's this, left in you there. know, yeah, this, Harley didn't clean. Harley it up didn't clean it. Well, right, because they, they Marlboro left, didn't clean it up, and she didn't leave it, uh, clean it up, because she went to breakfast, came back, got on her bike, and went to work in her fucking uniform. So this poor fiance, all right, is coming home later to uh, his bike is stolen. 
and his house is 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 wrecked. Probably still smells like like burnt smoke and sex. Because and I, sex, yeah. And his wife smells like or fiance yeah. smells like sex fiance too. smells like sex, and yeah, I, I can't. I'm not giving Marlboro the benefit of the doubt because he didn't clean that shit at all. He just came no, out no, and taped no. up his boots. He probably took her duct tape or whatever. Um, yeah. So they've they've just walked over all over this this poor guy who's done nothing wrong. Done nothing. And we'll get more from him later. And yep. my note is, sadly, yep. he's a cuck. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So he's just stolen this guy's Harley. <laughs> he's just, just stolen yeah. this guy's Harley. And the scene is funny because, like, like Marlboro's like, don't tell me how to hotwire a car, Harley. And it doesn't, mm. like, you can't get the gas. And Harley's like, you got to yep. turn on the gas. And it's, it's a funny yep. scene. Like, when you watch it when you're 12, yeah. you're like, these guys are great. These guys are funny. But when you break it down as an adult, Dustin, like you're saying, you're like, yeah. but okay, let's look at it. This, this guy who just loves Chelsea, you know, loves Virginia, he's getting his bike stolen. His, girl, his fiance is cheating on him. His Cokes are, and bacon are getting eaten in the apartment. And probably that pan is going to need to be thrown away. And the toaster. And, and yep. the toaster. Yep. And yep. it's like and it's like we're supposed to be on Marlboro's side and weirdly on Chelsea Fields' side, but later, later, that poor bastard, I'm on his side. Yeah. Yeah, he's only guilty of just being a good guy. Just he's loving only her. Guilty of being a cuck. Yeah. But it's a hard line. <laughs> it's a hard yep. ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> it's not paradise all, all time. the time. Cut to Harley and Marlboro pulling up to the Great Trust Bank in downtown L.A. Marlboro gives Harley shit about the armored vehicle uh, debacle as they walk into the building. Uh, And to change the subject, Harley asks about Virginia's new man. Don't care, didn't ask. Harley says if she wants Marlboro to chase her, that's the game. Marlboro says, my old man used to tell me before he left this shitty world, never chase buses or women. You always get left behind. Now, Dustin, at this point, we've heard multiple times, Mel, man, that this thing, this is what right. Marlboro says. What's your, what's your take on it at this point? Is it running thin or are you dil- still digging on it or did you ever dig on it? Well, I'm not. I, yeah, I, 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 I never really dug on it because, as I said earlier, you know, his old man has all these lessons that he's telling this poor Indian uh, before he takes his land, essentially. You know, it's it's just like... <laughs> How much can you say the whole thing about this, you know, before he left this shitty world? Um, it's, uh, yeah, it's not really charming. And again, it's one of these things that doesn't really ever come back in a fun way. Or there's never a, there's never like a scene of like uh, where he's going against what his old man said. Um, however, you know, like the boots, like the, the the sayings, you know, he doesn't have a great relationship with his father, as we learned. So you you do you do assign more meaning to these phrases and these boots and everything like that. But he's just stolen this guy's bike, and I I really don't give a shit at this point. Marlboro is the bad guy yep. here, but he's played by Don Johnson, so he's charming. So he's yep, gets a pass. Zach. What's your take on the uh, the my, my daddy? I think I think my wish was that they would have just kept this more serious than comical throughout the whole thing, just mm. and, and and maybe made them more upstanding than they actually are. And so I think 
I think watching it in, as a kid, having being conflicted about that because I'm like, these guys look so cool. The 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 you know certain elements of them are really cool, but down on paper they're assholes. So I think that was my my whole thing all along. It's like I love it on one end because like aesthetically, right? And on the other hand, I was really torn. And I was never really a fan of that kind of like if you're going to go full comedy, go go full comedy, but there's somewhere there's somewhere in this gray area which just doesn't work ultimately. Yeah. Uh which is really frustrating. Because I want to like it so much, you know, that's why I think I ended up going, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. That's why I watched it so many times, because every time I'm like, maybe I'll like it more this time. <laughs> you know, it's an abusive relationship, basically. Tonally, yeah, it, it's it's all over the place. Um, I personally like the, the, the this ongoing phrase that, that he uses. And I'll call it the end where I think it is funny, where they actually use it for a little bit of a, a like a bit. Um, in in the climax, um, and I'll call it out when it happens. And I, I would have liked it at the end if he's like, you know, my old man always told me before I finally put a bullet in his chest. Uh, right, if there was something more to it, yeah. No, you that's, know, that's a good like point. after yeah. hitting me so many times or whatever. Yeah. Like that would be fucking yeah. intense. Yeah. That would be cool, actually. Yeah. My old man don't know shit. Her rules are made to be broken. You know, the last right. lesson exactly. is ignore yeah. all the fucking you know, lessons. Something that, like, yeah. ignores it and then yeah. just kind of goes. And that's how he kind of, like, his character changes the arc and yeah. everything. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And Good then, point. And then, Good point. Yep. And then he fucking drops the bike back off with a fucking stack of cash on it for the cop. You know, yeah, sorry. something with something. a note that says "Sorry about your kitchen," and then like walks away. Yeah, yeah. that'd be yeah. fucking dope, man. That yeah, would, be, that would cool. be great. Yeah, spoiler alert: that's not. What yeah, he doesn't do that. <laughs> doesn't they, they don't do that. No. We are crafting a, a fucking masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, yeah this, is a, this is a movie I'd watch. And that's what yeah. this, that's what's interesting about this movie is that there's pieces in it that are, that are good that you can extrapolate, but yep. not all of it. As they walk in, we see two of Alexander's men scope out Harley and Marlboro. Chance's second-in-command, Kamiko, played by Tia Carrere, uh, meets the boys in the lobby. She says, I assume you're here to do business. They say they're here to talk to the man upstairs, and Kamiko says, stay on my tail. And that's all the dialogue she gets. As she leads them to an empty private office, she closes the door and walks away. Harley sits at the desk, and they wait. Marlboro says, this ain't going to fly. Harley bets him a dollar. They pull this off. He says if Marble wins, he'll have to give him some credit because the cab fare last night broke him. Marlboro puts out his cigarette and says, if I win, we're dead. Just then, the phone in the office rings, and Harley picks it up. On the other line, Chance says, you've got something of mine, and I want it back. He's in the office upstairs watching them on a monitor via a camera in the empty office. As they are verbally sparring, Marlboro whistles at Harley and points up at the video camera. Pointless. hmm? Pointless. Yeah. Harley looks up and smiles at it. Chance asks what they want. Harley says $2.5 million. Nah, wait a minute. Check that. I got a little side bet going on. Make that two and a half million dollars plus a buck. And if he didn't ask for that buck, they wouldn't have had a tracking device. <laughs> Chance asks when and where. Harley says the airplane graveyard tonight. As they're talking, Marlboro spots Alexander and his men surrounding the office. 
Harley says, you better call your boys off or you ain't going to get nothing. Talk to you on the rebound, asshole. Harley hangs up on the phone and Chance looks pissed. He calls Alexander on his cell and tells him to tells them to let them go. Again, if Harley didn't ask for that buck, there wouldn't be a tracking device. And the way Sizemore gives that line, he's like, let them go, Alexander. Let them go. Let them go. It's like so fucking lame. It is. Such a lame villain. I mean, to be fair, there probably would have been a tracking device just in the suitcase. Separate. It's not like this, this, this dollar gave them the idea to do it. But... You know, it's it's pretty risky if you think about it, because the dollar could very well have just been spent immediately yeah, yeah, on like yeah. a candy bar a, or something. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> go, go buy this, yeah. and they, all of a sudden they, they attack a Seven Eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, that'd be funny. <laughs> it's like that movie point. Twenty Bucks. Did you guys ever see that movie Twenty Bucks? No, where it follows a twenty dollar bill. Like okay. It's like it's a, a short Robert film. Altman. Oh, yeah, no. No, it's a full f- feature. Um, Christopher Lloyd, Elizabeth Shue, I think, is in it too. Mm. But it's it follows a twenty dollar bill, and it's like from one person to another, and then their story of what they do with the twenty dollar bill. It's not mm. bad. It's not bad. Okay, interesting. But my 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 problem with that scene, and it always has been, is when uh, Harley, uh, or sorry, uh, Marlboro, like whistles to Harley, like almost like you know, kind of on the DL, and points up. And like, like, just so you know, you're being watched. And Harley looks right up at the camera to fucking smiles at him. We're like, wasn't he doing yeah. that to like not draw attention yeah, to right. him in the yeah. first place? Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah. if he didn't, then Marlboro would have said, "Hey, asshole, we can see yeah. you right now." Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is what they should have said. Every scene has at least one problem. In it. <laughs> But every scene yep. has a quick fix. But every scene has a quick fix and also something amazing in it, too. Yeah. Usually something involving Don Johnson. Well, I think this is my feeling. that I think they did that because he looked cool when he did that whistle and point up like, oh, look how cool he is when he did that. That's Don, what I think. Don Johnson always looks cool. He fucking looks oh. cool. Cut to the airplane graveyard at night. Harley, Marlboro, Jack, and Jose are all waiting inside of one of the abandoned planes. They hear a helicopter fly overhead and land. Only Alexander gets out of the helicopter with a briefcase. When they meet up, Alexander says, you boys are good for dilettantes. Again. (laughs) (laughs) He asks to see the drugs. Harley says to see the cash first. Alexander opens the briefcase. It's all there, including the $1 coin, which Harley flips to Marlboro. Jack drops the duffel bag of drugs and Alexander examines it before taking it back to the helicopter. Back at the rock and roll grill, the gang is celebrating. Harley says, it wasn't a walk in the park, but the job's done. Looking at the money, the old man says, besides Jimmy and Lulu and the rest of you, this place is what keeps me coming back day after day. Thank you for giving it back to me. As everyone cheers and drinks, Marlboro looks concerned. Harley asks him what's wrong, and he says, Shit, Harley. We're way out of our league, man. It was too easy. I think we got. I think we ought to get the fuck out of Dodge. Let things cool off for a bit. Good advice. Yeah. yeah. Just then, Alexander and his goon squad walks in decked out in their Kevlar trench coats. Harley and Marlboro watch them walk up to the old man in the main area of the bar. They are in the secret back room, watching them through a two-way mirror. 
Harley asks, how the fuck did they find us? The rest of the guys put down their drinks and grab guns and watch the conversation from behind the mirror. We can't hear what Alexander is saying to the old man. They think the old man has everything under control when Alexander smiles and walks away. Just then he stops, looks right at the mirror, and then pulls out his machine gun and shoots the old man while smiling into the mirror. Jimmy screams as Alexander shoots the mirror and kills him. Harley and Marlboro dive behind a sofa. Jose goes over the bar as bullets tear up the place. Harley says they've got to get the hell out of there. Jose pops up from behind the bar and shoots one of the goons, but gets gunned down too in the process. Marlboro says, I'm going to fucking die today, Harley, and I blame you. Harley says, no, we're going to live, man, and we're going to go through that window to do it. Jack, cover me. Jack starts firing his shotgun while Harley dives out his window. Jack starts firing his shotgun while Harley dives out the window and onto the roof of a car below. Marlboro stands up with his guns blazing and follows suit. Jack doesn't make it, but he kills LaFours in the process. Harley and Marlboro wait for Jack, but when he doesn't come, they run to the Burbank airport and hop the fence onto the runway. So for me, and I think I remember as a kid too, this is where it changed. Like I was like, I'm, I want to be their friend. I want to be a part of their gang and everything. And now they all get gunned down. And now I'm like, tonally, I'm like, well, what the fuck was all of this for then? You know what I mean? Like, and then it's going to become like, spoiler alert, it's going to become a revenge movie. But is it really like then they try to get the, the, the bar back with the lease? But like I'm like, everyone's dead. I hate that everyone dies right here. I do truly hate that. Um, Dustin, thoughts? <laughs> well, it's also it's all super casual. Like the way Don yeah. and Mickey are watching their friends get gunned down and, you know, and, and like they're not they're not going they're not going holy shit or they're not screaming no. They're just like like <laughs> Marlboro Man's just more mad at Harley for more clown ineptitude than anything else. So uh yeah, so it's it's really you know this scene starts off you're siding with Don Johnson's emotional maturity in a way. It was too easy. You're right. This isn't over. And then everyone's gone down. It fucking sucks. It's fucking waste. It's fucking ridiculous. But I'm also kind of like, why was everyone on board with this plan? Because this plan is fucking stupid too. Like going back, once they realized they had the crystal dream, the plan should not have been to try and sell it back to the people they stole it from. That makes no fucking sense. It makes no sense. Uh, it's, it's cleaner than them trying to sell drugs on the street or something. But yeah, that's the point where you're just like, you kind of get what you deserve because you're, you are, you're dealing with the big boys. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're going into this bank. Like you own the place. Like, you know how to fucking do a deal like this. You guys don't know shit and you've gotten everyone killed. Sorry, bad, but it's on you. Yeah. And, and moving forward, Marlboro is rightfully mad at Harley for all of this. Um, but it's just, it feels like emotionally 
at this point, halfway through, well, there's probably only about another 30 minutes left in the movie. But at this point, I'm emotionally drained. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I wanted these guys. This is this was I thought this was the emotional arc to the film. And they're all dead. I'm like, I'm not rooting for Harley and Marlboro. I'm rooting for this bar. And spoiler alert, like, it doesn't really matter? Question yeah. mark? No. I feel like the the only way they could have saved this whole situation here is if this, the, the Kevlar gang shows up and the uh, old man is is there with Lulu. And, they, and Lulu's pissed, but she's like, well, at least, you know, we saved the bar or whatever. And they tell, and, and the old man says, you know what? You guys get out of here. I'll handle this. It's all under control. And they all leave, right? And as they leave, the, bl- the bar blows up, right? And so old man and Lulu are dead. And they all see that they, they all, the whole gang's still together. And they see, the, they see this go down. And then, the, and then the third act where they, they meet in the revenge. graveyard, it's all of them battling them for revenge. Not just Harley and Marlboro. It's, yeah. but it's yeah. all of them and that to me would make more sense where they're like no oh, f- okay fine we're and then they could all say we're, we could all, we're all gonna die but at least we'll go out in a blaze of glory at that point yeah and because the as right now the sequel to this movie is kill bill but with vanessa williams tracking down harley and marlboro man <laughs> for killing her father her brother and her husband yeah like from and here's the thing again written by a guy Vanessa Williams character should be the the emotional arc of this entire movie right now because of what she just lost but guess what guys and gals yeah she's never seen again in this film yeah and no. if she sang bang bang you shot me down that would be 10 times better than all the <laughs> shit she did in this so yeah and let's just say one more thing even if there wasn't a tracker in this fucking suitcase a, they could have easily tailed these fucking idiots back yes. to the bar. Because they're morons. And B, isn't it weird that you're asking for the exact amount of money yes, that's that, needed, that is needed to save to the bar this right, specific yeah, bar that everyone, that the bank is... So it's just so fucking dumb. It's also yeah. fucking dumb. Yeah. And the movie's like, it's like, we know it's dumb because Harley's dumb. So isn't that clever? And then us as an audience is like, No. No, it's not clever. <laughs> Marlboro and Harley run through the busy runway area with Alexander and his remaining men following. Uh, I don't know if I called it out, but um, uh, Jose kills a guy and, and, yeah. and, yes, Big John Studd kills a guy. And so now they're down to three guys, including um, him. By so. the way, good for those two who got some shots off. Yeah. They hop onto one of the luggage carts. And, uh, and when the coast is clear, they sneak into the storage compartment of one of the airplanes. As they are hiding in there, a female luggage handler walks up the ramp in the storage area and Harley grabs her and pulls her in as she's screaming. Harley puts his hand in another movie. Harley and Marlboro are the bad guys, by the way, in a different movie. <laughs> Harley puts his hand on her mouth as Marlboro tries to get her to calm down. I like how she kicks Marlboro in the head. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. That's actually funny. That was, that was. Harley tells Marlboro to take her as he moves the luggage that's being transferred up the ramp from her coworker below into the plane. Because he's like, 
Take her while I do the job, while I work here. Marlboro can hardly hold her down. <laughs> I said, I said here, they should have had her on their, on their crew. She was fucking yeah, really. badass. Uh, Alexander walks past the mail luggage handler, and the guy says that it's restricted area. Alexander guns him down in cold blood. The female luggage handler stops struggling and gets Marlboro when she sees that. Alexander walks by as the body of the dead luggage handler goes up the motorized ramp. Harley pulls him into the storage area, and Marlboro takes his hand off the lady's mouth. Another grounds crew walks up and shuts the door, locking Harley, Marlboro, the lady that they kidnapped, and the dead co-worker in there. Like, what the fuck? Cut to Harley and Marlboro walking down the Las Vegas Strip. So I want to know what the fuck happened between there. What the fuck happened when they landed in Vegas? Yep. How did they explain the whole, that whole flight? About what you guys know about an hour from Burbank to L.A. Yeah. That's an hour for them uh, to explain everything. Yeah, yeah hour and forty-five. No, forty-five. Just forty-five. For, it's real forty-five fast. minutes. It's there you fast. go. Yeah. To explain everything to that poor luggage handler lady. Did she not go to the cops or the news station and was like, what the fuck is going on? Her the dead they had to fly with the dead body of her coworker in there? And you know, you don't know what kind of history she had. I'm just, my brain is like, what is that flight all about? You know? Zach, help me, man. Help me. You love this movie. No, they killed her. They killed her. No, no. <laughs> no, she's she's dead. She's she's all dead. All messed up. She's all messed up. Yeah, she's up. all messed up. By by the way, isn't it super cold in that in the luggage compartment? Let's, yeah, exactly. Is it pressurized? So she froze. She froze to death. And, and so did uh, they. But but no, because they're filled with testosterone. <laughs> yeah, they are. They, they survived. Yeah, it's just it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, that guy's dead. Sorry. Anyway, uh, those are the bad guys that killed her. I killed him. So um, yeah, don't say anything. Well, don't don't, don't say dream? anything. We're gonna handle this. Don't oh. say anything. That guy has a family. Yep. He has a pension. <laughs> you you know? know what? But you, no, you know what could have worked? Maybe not. But they put Crystal Dream in her eyes, uh. and suddenly they're like, "This didn't happen. <laughs> He's still alive." Touche, touche. We'll, we'll go. And with she's that. like fucking drawing, you know, penises on his face or something with a sharpie. <laughs> I'll go with that. I'll yeah. take that. I'll take that. It's the only thing that makes fucking sense. Yeah. So as they're walking down the, the Vegas Strip, Marlboro says, I hate this fucking town. Harley says, hey, man, you don't even know anything about this place. To which Marlboro replies, I grew up here, you dumb bastard. And I feel like that's just all of us talking to Harley. You know what I yeah. mean? The audience. I do. I do love that, though. You know, it's. It doesn't fucking make sense or whatever. You still piece of shit, but it's a funny line. But it also shows that they don't really know know much about each other, even though they're friends. You know. Yeah. He, he goes. You mean to tell me real cowboys? I mean shit kicking rodeo cowboys come from Vegas? And then he and then Marlboro goes. Some of the best, maybe even one of the best, and that's it. That's that's <laughs> all he says about that. So it's like okay. Didn't even need any of this dialogue. Cut to Harley and Marlboro entering a hotel room. It's a high rise and they're near the top of the building, which will make sense in a minute, but I just need to call that out now. Harley says they were going to stay the night, get some rest and clean up. Marlboro isn't happy that the room is so high. 
Harley reminds him that there's a convention in town and it's all they could get. But Marlboro says, makes for a tough getaway. Harley says they can't find them, but Marlboro says he wouldn't bet on that. Harley tells Marlboro to stop whining. He's starting to sound like Jimmy. Marlboro looks at him and cold cocks him for that. Right? Right, Dustin? Yep. Jimmy's dead, you heartless piece of shit. Four of our friends got killed tonight. They're gone. Fucking tagged on the toe dead. Does that matter to you? Seriously. Do you fucking care? Harley sits up. Hey, Marlboro. I didn't force anyone to do it. They took the chance and they knew the risk. He wipes the blood off his mouth. All right, hey, look, it's my fault. And I got to live with it. But right now, you and me, we got to pull it together if we're going to survive. Marlboro shakes his head and walks out the door. As Harley is thinking about what just happens, he looks down and sees the silver dollar from the exchange. It's half open, and the and a red light is coming out from inside of it. So this exchange here, like, why is this not the moment that Marlboro Man just walks out of Harley's life? Harley doesn't seem to me that he's that remorseful. I get that the script is trying to say that, but to me, Mickey Rourke isn't really pulling that off. Zach, what do you? What do you? I mean, like, how do you reconcile this? You know. You don't because uh, it's really shitty writing uh, to make to make uh, Harley act the way he acted in that scene. It's not it doesn't track because, you know, as we know later, he he comes around and, you know, says his whole thing about like that was all bullshit. It it just doesn't track. He the whole reason why he wanted to do what he did was to save the bar and he loves his family, quote unquote, you know. And for him to like kind of act so heartless, Harley Marlboro could have said easily hit him and said, you know, you didn't mean that shit. And then that's Harley's like, you know what? You're you're right. Because Harley Harley makes two statements here and one's correct and one's not. One is is him saying that that they knew the risk and that's him being machismo. But then him saying, I think he I think he's being honest when he's like. I'll take the, the hit on this one. You know what I mean? Type of thing. And But there's no there's no change in Mickey Rourke's sort of acting between the two phrases. Do you know what I mean? To that's, the, that's the problem because yeah. he doesn't change in that scene. And he should have changed in that scene. Because they – it's you're right. Like Marlboro could have left, got on the phone, and you never see him again. But he comes back, right? I, I guess my ultimate question to you, Zach, is – do you think that Harley Davidson does feel remorse at this point for his dead friends? I mean, it's portrayed like a no, but I want to say yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Zach. Uh, Dustin, at this point, do you think he feels any remorse? Or do you think he's just like sort of a sociopath? And he's like, they knew the risk going into it. No, I'm sure he, you know, this is a guy whose entire life has probably been the same fucking pattern of this bullshit where he's the asshole, he fucks up and then, you know, tries to act like that's what he was trying to do all the, t- the whole time. It's, it's the fucking, it, yeah, of course he feels remorse cause he's a fucking clown and it's his fault. So he has, but he has to act like it's not, but you know, as far as the audience is concerned, why do we care about these two fucking idiots? We don't. Th- this, this could have been the perfect opportunity for Harley to start crying. 
to to something. emote something to something. be like, man, these these guys were because we already know. Well, he does say that like this was his like yeah. Uh, but he could he could easily he could easily said what do you what do you want me to do and, and then that's then yeah. the tears start coming out and he's like I just killed all my friends you, you yeah. think I feel you you don't think I care about that of course I do yeah you know and and then like that could have been it there was there was a moment here for Harley to have a very human uh, moment and experience and everything and and the writing doesn't give him that and Mickey Rourke is a fucking fantastic actor. So he can pull off whatever they need him to need him to pull off. So again, I go back to this is director problems at this point. Or it's Mickey wanting wanting to do a scene a certain way. Yeah, because if if Mickey work is just going rogue and and you know, you can't tell an actor you can't tell an actor how to do the scene. I mean, you really you really can't and Yeah. You know, I don't. I don't necessarily agree that it's an, that it's a directing problem because if you if you have a fucking loose cannon who's just doing whatever the fuck he wants, and this is his portrayal of it, and you're saying, well, you know, and I don't. We don't know. We don't know what Simon Winter's intent was. He could have very well just been like, ah, fuck this. I'll just take a paycheck dealing with this asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, he could have. They, he might that this man have gone. They might have shot it a couple different ways, and and Simon Winter might have said, fuck it. You know what? Mickey's being a douche. Let's just move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I could see very well that Don Johnson's trying to get a certain something from his scene partner and, you know, he's not getting it. And you, actually, and you're making me, you're, I'm remembering now, that's how I felt in the scene, feeling like, I wonder if this is Don Johnson fucking getting pissed off at Mickey Rourke yeah. in this mm-hmm. scene. Like this, there's a little more, this is a little more, uh, you know, this soft script in a sense, like Don Johnson's like, come on, you fucker, like emote. Yeah. You know? And, and, you know, like, I mean, Dustin has called it out multiple times. And as much as I love Marlboro man, Dustin, you're right. He is kind of a piece of shit, but I don't think Don Johnson does a bad job acting. That's, that's the, that's the story. That's the character, you know, but I think Don Johnson does a great fucking job and I could see him wanting Mickey Rourke to like fucking pull out something stronger than what he's yeah. pulling out here. I think Don Johnson does a great job in this scene. I think he's very believable, very emotional. I do too. Yeah. But again, why is this, why is this on Don John? Why is this on Marlboro man? Yeah. It shouldn't agreed. be. Yep. Yeah. By the way, guys and gals, uh, uh, year three's crossover event will be Dustin's pick. So uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what it's going to be. <laughs> the last Boy Scout, guys. The last Boy Scout. <laughs> I'm on board for that one, my friend. <laughs> Love that fucking movie. Cut to Virginia Slim laying in bed with her eyes open while her fiance is sleeping next to her. The phone rings and it startles her. By the way... Pet peeve of mine, I hate in movies when a phone rings and scares somebody. Because in my life, a phone ringing has never fucking scared me. It's Marlboro Man calling from the <laughs> casino in the hotel lobby. Hey, it's Marlboro Man. <laughs> it's Marlboro Man. <laughs> Being hey. a dick. Hey, Virginia. Up, hey, baby. It's Marlboro Man. It's me, Marlboro. Fucking up her life. <laughs> you're probably he wondering says, why your kitchen was left a mess and your fiance is missing a motorcycle, a Harley Davidson. You're probably wondering those things, yeah. even though there will be no yeah. consequences for them. No. Hey, babe, it's Cigarette Guy. Yeah. Hey, babe, babe. Hey, babe. Hey, babe, I stole hey, babe. your fiance's Cigarette motorcycle. Guy, yeah. <laughs> hey, babe, what does Norm MacDonald play Marlboro? <laughs> hey, babe. Hey, babe. Yeah, I got that, I got that motorcycle right here. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I,
R.I.P. Norm McDonald. <laughs> fucking love that man. Oh, God, yeah. He says he called because he just wants to hear her voice. He's calling at, like, fucking one in the morning, and he, sh- he knows she's fucking married or yeah. fiancéed. Fuck. He's an asshole. Yeah. Dustin, god damn it. You're... God damn it, you're so right. He's horrible. Well, he's horrible. He is named a- he's horrible. Well, he is named after a guy who uh, causes cancer to people. So, yes, you know. he is cancer. He is cancer <laughs> to her. You're right. Uh, she tries to help him, but he won't tell her where he is. I've already dug too many graves. None of them my own. Because this is what... This is what a woman wants to hear. This yep. is this is what a man thinks is romantic Woken that a woman up. would want yep. to hear. <laughs> I broke I broke that door. I broke I put a hole in that door for you, baby. For you, I baby. That yep. Yep. The hole in that wall for you. Yeah, I punched that hole in for you. You know. Virginia says, Robert, this is the realest shit that anyone's ever said to him. You keep running, and sooner or later, you're gonna end up just like your dad, drunk, dead, and alone, and all you can do is hold on and wait. As she's talking, fucking Marble Man, piece of shit, spots Alexander and his goons entering the casino. He doesn't say goodbye. He doesn't say anything. Nope. He nope. drops the phone. He nope. doesn't even hang up. Nope. Gotta go. Nope. Gotta go. This is a man's world. Anything considerate. It. Yep. <laughs> he drops the phone and quickly walks away as they go to the front desk. Fucking Virginia Slim. Poor, yep. poor girl. I can't even. I can't even. Guys, we're done. I can't even yeah. go on anymore. Dustin, you're all, I mean, I didn't even go into this movie. I went into this fucking breakdown being like, Marlboro Man's my favorite character in the movie. Dustin's like, no, he's a piece of shit. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then, yeah. No, no, he's a piece of <laughs> you're shit, an Dustin. You were right. A Marlboro Man apologist. Yeah. This, this is the exact same thing that happened with Cyborg. This is the exact Because yes. both Corey and I going in Cyborg were like, when we were kids, we loved this movie. Um, You know? And then you I still break it on a certain level. I, I know, I know, I know, I know. And spoiler alert, I still love Harley Davis and the Marlboro Man on certain levels too. There's certain things about it that I love in Cyborg 2. Both of them. Terrible fucking movies though. Back in the room, he busts in and tells Harley they've got company. Harley says he knows how they found him, but Marlboro says to tell him later. They grab their things <laughs> and leave the room. Tell me later. <laughs> Tell me later. Tell me How do they find me? Tell me later. No time. No, no, no time. In the hallway of the hotel, they see Alexander get off the elevator, and they run for the stairs. He sees them and draws his machine gun. In the stairwell, Harley and Marlboro go up because they see more trench coat goons below them. One of the goons yell they're going up. Harley and Marlboro make their way to the roof and find out they have nowhere to go. They eventually make their way around and hide behind a large mechanical unit. That's like an air conditioner or something. Marlboro says, we're at death's door, Harley, and the devil's a-knocking. So you better think of something fast or start your ass praying for real. Harley peeks over the edge of the 15-story building and sees a pool below them. He says, put your gun away. We're going to jump. Marlboro quickly looks over the edge and says, are you out of your fucking mind? Just then, Alexander and his men walk out onto the roof, and Marlboro starts shooting at them. They return fire. Marlboro empties a full clip, but none of them drop. He says, well, whatever they're wearing is made out of diehard blue steel. Harley looks at the edge and tells Marlboro to take his hand. (laughs) 
This, by the way, this is when I realized this movie's a love affair between these two. Virginia yeah. Slim doesn't matter. It's no. the love affairs between them, the friendship. That's 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 the the mm. the the relationship arc of the movie. Yeah, the intention for sure. Mar- I love how Marlboro looks absolutely terrified and says no. Harley says you're gonna get shot up here. Well, you're gonna get smashed down there. Harley says he'd rather be smashed than shot. I love how Marble's like, not me. <laughs> God. More bullets hit around them. Harley yells, all right, fuck you. You stay up here and you get shot and die. Then he punches Marble in the face from the sitting position. He goes, I owe you that. <laughs> I love how Marble's like, what the fuck? Oh, Harley gets to his feet and runs to the edge and jumps off. There's no noise as Harley falls to the pool on the ground floor. We see the briefcase is already in the water, but we didn't see him throw it. Back on the roof, Marble says under a hail of bullets, I hate you for this, Harley. I fucking hate you for this. And he jumps off the roof and yells, I hate you, Harley, the whole way down. He lands in the pool safely, and they they quickly climb out as bullets splash around them. I got no beef with this. I thought this was fun. No, it's it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid homage. Yep. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. It, I think that's what he's trying to get across in some respect. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's very like Lethal Weapon too. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. it, we we the, the buddy. We need that buddy scene of them in duress, yelling shit at each other, and, and, and yeah. jumping and off jumping a hotel off something into yes. a pool. Yes, like I think we saw that in Lethal Weapon. Didn't we see them jump into a pool with well, Leo Getz in number three or something? Probably. I mean, the opening, the way you're introduced to, uh, I feel like Mel Gibson, or, or at one point, you know, he handcuffs himself to a guy. Right and jumps, jumps off and, and that's jumps in like the weapon. One. That's the first I, one, and but yeah. That, yeah, I feel like they're always, you know, we've seen this in many movies where there's the, oh shit, like there's oh, just the guys jumping yeah. off the yeah, the the roof into into sometimes it's into a pool, sometimes it's a waterfall, sometimes it's a, you know, but there's always guys shooting. Yeah, and in a movie like this, this is a scene that I'm completely expecting to see. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cut to Harley and Marlboro hitching a ride on a freight train. Marlboro says, we got to go back, Harley. Harley shoots back. What the fuck are you talking about? We survived. It's over. Marlboro doesn't believe him, but Harley reassures him that it's most definitely over. He takes the silver dollar out of his pocket and shows it to Marlboro. See this? He opens it to reveal the tracker. It's out of commission. That means that them fuckers can't keep coming out of nowhere anymore. Marlboro says, we got a bunch of money we didn't get for ourselves and a bar full of dead friends in L.A. It ain't right. This ain't over. And we owe it to our friends to make it right. Harley says that they came out alive and they came out ahead. He ain't doing it. Marlboro says, God damn it, Harley, we ain't ahead. And if being alive means I'm living on the run, then I don't want it. Harley tells Marlboro to do what he thinks is right. He's going to stay alive. Marlboro stands up, grabs his pack, and looks at Harley and says, (laughs) Better be dead and cool than alive and uncool. And jumps out of the moving train. Waylon Jennings' hardline starts playing as Marlboro watches the train drive off with Harley in it. 
And by the way, that scene, I fucking liked. That scene was fucking cool. That's the energy that I want from this mm. fucking movie. Well, yeah, I, I, it is a good scene because it, it, at least they called to attention the fact that he brought up this line in the first place and he's a hypocrite at this mm-hmm. point. It seems yeah. that way. Mm-hmm. But he was a, five minutes ago, he was an asshole hypocrite with them when they were in the hotel. So there was like no real resolution over that whole thing. It only comes later at, at the climax of this movie, you know, where, where he needs them the most basically. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just, it's just, again, it's just shitty writing uh, or shitty, <laughs> whatever they could get out of it. I would love to know, you know, talk to Simon Winsor about this. Cause we want to like to know like exactly what, what went down, what transpired. Cause you know, continuity wise, Someone was sitting back going, this doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. But this, come on. I mean, really, you know, the 90s churned out some shitty movies. Yeah. But 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 also, like, there's reasons for them being shitty. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a reason for this movie not going the way it was supposed to go or should have gone. Yeah. The, there's a reason for it. I want to know the reason. I'm I'm with you, man. This movie's a hot mess, but there's enough pieces in it that tells me that there's something there. Like there, and then there's something there that I like too. Like there's pieces of things that I like, but there's something wrong. Like something happened, and I think I I think we've kind of gotten to the the bottom of it. I, I think it's Mickey Rourke. I think it's Mickey Rourke being you know taking doing whatever improv shit he wants to do or, or whatever. But well, there is something it... wrong with the script, though. There's something fundamentally wrong with the script as well. And we're not, we even touched on the fact of how they hop between L.A. and Denver and fucking Vegas in no time flat whatsoever. Yeah, and isn't it easier to say, oh, I, made a, I, I took the money for this movie and I made a bad movie versus saying, oh, I made a bunch of mistakes yeah. yeah, you know, isn't yeah. it easier for somebody sometimes to not take responsibility? And we know from listen to the Chelsea Field interview, we know that yeah. he did certain things that, and we've know Dustin and I have heard that from Eric Roberts of who Patrick Kilpatrick maybe. No, he's talking about Jean Claude Van Damme. But I feel like we've interviewed other actors who have brought up Mickey Rourke's yeah. behavior. Like it's it's a pattern. It's a pattern. So you know. Fuck it. It's that's I think that's what frustrates me too. Because like Don Johnson is doing a good fucking job. He's, he's crushing yeah. it. Whether he his, may be his whether character, his character yeah. Whether his character Put is, that aside. Is, is yeah. Aside, Don Johnson, the actor, is doing a, he's doing a hundred percent of the work in this movie. He's doing well, all the work. It's just how fitting is it that he's the one that makes all the shots, right? Yeah. Mickey Rourke's the one who misses, and it's yeah. kind of like the kid, yeah. you know. Cut to probably one of the most problematic scenes in the entire fucking movie. So it's weird because I love this Waylon Jennings Hardline song that's playing during the course of this scene. But let me get through it because I'm going to have so much to say afterwards. <laughs> Cut to Virginia's house in the valley at night. Hardline is playing throughout the whole scene. Again, jizzed hard for that. Marlboro knocks on her front door and her fiance answers with, what do you want? Marlboro just says, Virginia. He says she's asleep, but Marlboro says, wake her up. What an asshole. 
There's a slight time jump, and we hear Virginia and her fiancé fighting inside while Marlboro smokes a cigarette on her porch area. She comes out in her bathrobe and drags Marlboro by the arm away from her place. You've got until we reach the sidewalk to say what you've got to say. Her fiancé is standing in the doorway watching. Marlboro looks at her and says, He the guy? She asks, What do you want, Robert? You want my help? Robert. You want my sympathy? My hand in marriage? What? Marlboro says, I don't know what I want because he's emotionally stunned. What a dickhead. <laughs> but I know what I don't want. I don't want whatever there was between us to end without telling you you've been the better part of my life, the best part of my life. Marlboro touches Virginia's face while her cuck of a fiancé watches. <laughs> Goodbye, Virginia. He walks away. But Virginia calls back to him, and he turns around. Just then... Harley comes riding in on his motorcycle like the professional cock blocker he is. And Virginia walks back inside to her cop fiance that didn't do shit about Marlboro stealing his bike. Harley stops in front of Marlboro and says, sorry, I'm late. I had a layover in Denver. Marlboro smiles because the love interest in this movie is not between Marlboro and Virginia. It's nope. between Marlboro and Harley. Yep. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but Virginia gets fucking dirtied. You know what I mean? Like, she gets done dirty. Dustin, any thoughts on this scene <sighs> right here? <laughs> so many. I know, I know. Um, yeah. Don's a dick. Marlboro Man is a dick. I don't... I don't, it bothers me that Harley goes there. Like, why, why can't we have a location where he actually has a fucking apartment or something? Why, why, you know, does Harley have a tracker on fucking Marble Man? Like, why the fuck would he be like, I'm going here? He, and you ended up there from Denver, too. From Denver. This is, oh, you must be going to Virginia's. So they flew to Vegas. He then took a train to Denver. And now arrives at her place on his motorcycle. On his motorcycle. Map that out for me, guys and gals. It makes no fucking sense. It makes no fucking sense. And this asshole is just showing up. You know, he's not even showing up to Virginia to be like, look, this might be the last time you see me because I'm going to go on a fucking revenge bender against these, <laughs> you know. I'm going to go on a revenge bender. I mean, really. That's honestly the, my, the funniest thing I've ever fucking heard. That's, I love that. I'm that's gonna what go we're talking a about. <laughs> I mean, heads up, you know, I love you. And it shouldn't be this fucking, this fucking wimpy, I don't know what I want right now. It should just be, I fucking love you, you know, and I'm here to say goodbye because everyone fucking yeah. died and... You know, and by the way, sorry I fucking left you hanging at the airport or or at the hotel. I just like left you uh, on the on the phone call. <laughs> like like an asshole. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that this would have been better if he was like, "Look, I don't know what I want, but I want you to be happy. And if it's not with me, that's okay." You know, because right now the movie shits all over her fiance, which we don't know yeah. has done anything wrong other than loving a very loose woman. So it's like I believe like, his name is Mark Furman, though. That guy looked familiar before <laughs> I see what you did there. 
<laughs> I see what you did there. Um, That's a, like, a callback? Yeah, dude. <laughs> you, you, you derailed my entire brain of thought. <laughs> I, I have no idea where I was going. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, just say like, you know what? Because here's the thing. So again, spoiler alert, we're never going to see her again. So this could be the last time he really sees her. Yeah. So just say, you know yeah. what? I got to go do this thing. I got to go make things right. I may, ne- I may not come back. I just want to tell you I love you. You were the best part of my life. And I want you to be happy with Cuck over there. Yep, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Cuck Furman. Cuck Furman. And by the there. way, that motorcycle is gone. And yeah. by the way, yeah. that motor, that Cuck's motorcycle, gone. Left it I, in I'm, front of the bank. He's not getting paid I, for that. Yeah, I don't know. You know, yeah. he's going to have to use his pension. I'm sorry. But like he, like Marlboro Man at this point has a lot to apologize to Virginia Slim about. And guess what? He doesn't apologize for any of it. No. Nope. He just smiles at, at Harley and knows yeah. that, that the love affair between those two will just move forward. Sorry I'm late. Got caught in Denver. Jesus Christ. Fuck you. Go away. We're supposed to care about you? Fuck you. Yeah. Brought you an omelet. Brought you a Denver omelet. I brought you a Denver omelet. Brought you a new toaster. Just, Here you go, Virginia. Yes. I brought you a new toaster, a new pot for fucking six pack, six pack of Coke. Jesus Christ! Carnation oh, after breakfast. God. So bad. Cut to the same. Lo- hard line. It's a ticket to Oh, it's what's funny is there's only like like fucking fifteen minutes left in the movie. It's not a like twenty. It's not a lot. Cut to the same Las Vegas billboard they were sitting on at the beginning of the movie. And Harley and Marlboro are chatting on it again. Harley asks if they're friends. Marlboro, who's fixing the duct tape on his boot, says, sure, we're friends. How come with all the shit that you and me been through? I've asked you the same question a thousand times and you never answered me. What's with those fucking boots? And again, the only other time we ever had him (laughs) ask the question... The way Marlboro Man remarks, re- replies to it, 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 it feels like it's the first time. But here he's saying, I've asked that a thousand times. <clears throat> Marlboro says, my old man gave me these boots first time I rode in a professional rodeo. It was the first and last thing he ever gave me. Harley says that Marlboro could have told him that. Marlboro says, just kind of figured it was between him and me. I got thrown and busted my arm in four places. Harley says that he thinks Marble should ride again. Marble says, someday, maybe. Harley then pulls out a big-ass gun. Marble asks, where the hell did you get this, that big-ass hog leg? I love that. Harley says, Denver, this is a Ruger Super Blackhawk 454 conversion. Marble snickers and says, God damn, Harley. That's too much gun for you. Harley says, this is what I learned with. Marlboro laughs and says, nobody learns with a converted 454. Harley says, I did. Marlboro says, that explains it. Harley says, in all his years, he's never wanted to shoot anyone in anger. And he sure as shit never wanted to kill nobody. Marlboro says, me neither. And he puts the silver dollar tracker back together. And the whole thing about the, like no one learns on a 454. I'm watching this and I'm like, I don't understand any of this. I don't know what a 454 <laughs> is. I don't know why no one should learn how to use on it. I don't get it. And then later, 
it's not like Harley Davidson is any better shooting with the gun that he learned on. He still sucks with it. So well, what's the point, well, they, Dustin? Uh, well, the point is the point is that he's he learned on the wrong gun because it's too too much to handle. Okay, he can't fucking shoot a gun. It's another clown antic from a clown. I I just um, yeah. And then we've got this tracker that we just assemble back together. Like oh, we, easy peasy. Let's just, just keep it. it. Back yeah, let's just. These guys are monitoring it. Yeah. Did he buy the gun with the drug money? That is the easiest yeah. explanation. Yes. Of course. I'll answer you. Yes. <laughs> so, but then they give the money back to him, and then aren't they? Don't they say they give all the money back to him? It's minus probably a couple hundred bucks for that. Yeah, that that super Blackhawk <laughs> and that tracker for his motorcycle that he put on it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Cut to Alexander in a helicopter looking at an iPad <laughs> tracker that starts going off on the a map. Future. <laughs> yeah, the future. Yeah, thank God he was ready in the helicopter, just searching <laughs> forever in case it came back on. This gets weirder. He tells the helicopter pilot, take up a heading of 010. There's seven clicks northwest of here. I want to just ask guys and gals, Zach and Dustin, anybody, I've been watching movies my entire life, and you know as well as I do, we've all heard they are X amount of clicks away from here. What the fuck does clicks mean? Uh, no clue. No, click is a is a um, uh, armed forces term. Okay. Um, but it it equates to an actual measurement. Um, okay. Let's let's see exactly what it is. It's uh, a, a click is a it's a kilometer. Okay. But right, but that's weird because you know clicks are kilometers. We don't we don't measure things in the U.S. in kilometers, but the military does and the U.K. does. So interesting. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay. Yep. Well, th- thank you, Dustin. Dustin, go back to bed. Good night. <laughs> so the helicopter pilot we'll talk about in one second <laughs> says back to him. Sounds like the same heady my co-pilot shouted out the day we choppered into Kaysan. Last thing the ugly bastard ever said. Alexander looks at him in complete disgust and says, Shut the fuck up and fly, Tom. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. We see the helicopter fly over LA towards the valley. Then One of the best lands lines. in the in the air airplane graveyard. But Tom Zach, who's Tom played by? The helicopter pilot who gets billed at the beginning in the beginning of the film. Robert the Exterminator Ginty. I mean, come on. Nothing, nothing. Robert Ginty is. Look up that dude's filmography, by the way. He's been in some gems. And when I say gems, they're like polished turds in a good way. So many great movies. And we covered The Exterminator in in the first season of Podcasting After Dark. That was my first uh, experience with Robert Ginty. When I watched this for the first time when I was a kid, didn't know who he was. But when I watched this a few weeks ago, I fucking lost my shit when I saw his name in the credits. I was like, oh my God, Robert Ginty's in this? Like, where the fuck is he? And then he shows up in the last fucking 15 minutes of the film so weird so weird he uh mystery science theater 3000 did a movie one of his movies once and when they just made fun of the fact that he mumbles all the time when he talks um but then i mean 
I love Robert Ginty. He was in uh, Loverboy, that Patrick Dempsey movie. He was one of the like the scorned husbands, you know, uh, mm. who comes back for revenge. Anyways, Robert Ginty's a fun. He's like such a. He's like he looks like Tim Allen. Uh, he would never take him seriously as an action hero, but he did a shit ton of action yeah. movies. So I love that about the guy. So God bless Robert Ginty. L- listen to our exterminator, you know, episode. I am very candid about my thoughts on on Robert Gint- Ginty's um, weak chin, but. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, after the time that I've spent with Zach and everything, I see him now and I'm like, oh, Robert Ginty. This is awesome. You know what I mean? And but yet not because his role is very minuscule. But okay, but I love his role. It's fun. Yeah, I actually do, too. It's actually one of my favorite roles in the movie, because as a character, I want to know what his backstory is. Yep. Alexander and his remaining two goons get out of the helicopter in their full Kevlar trench coats. They follow the iPad again, guys, this is 1991, (laughs) but good job on them. They follow the iPad to the briefcase hidden in one of the planes. When Alexander opens it, he, she just finds a silver dollar tracker inside of it. He smashes his iPad in rage and just looks like a doughy little boy when he scowls. Alexander looks over and sees Harley and Marlboro standing on a wing of a plane about 50 yards away. Harley says, well, God, if you do exist and you're up there watching from wherever you're watching from, just look away for a minute, which is a line that I I like that line. I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. The trench coat goons start walking towards them and Marlboro says, remember, these bastards are bulletproof, so aim for their heads. Dead center. You might want to hold on to that cannon with both hands. Don't yank. Don't pull. Squeeze. You ready? I fucking love the way Don Johnson delivers all these lines. Agreed. Harley says, let's rock and roll these motherfuckers. I love it. Marlboro says, let's make things right. Everyone starts shooting and ducking for cover. Marlboro takes out one goon by shooting his hand, causing him to drop his gun, then shooting him in the head. Marlboro and Harley duck behind the landing gear of a plane to reload. Marlboro says to Harley, you know that gun costs about two bucks every time you fire it. That's two bucks a bullet. Harley asks how many he hit. (laughs) You spent 12 bucks and you didn't hit a goddamn thing. I nailed one and it cost me about four and a quarter. I do like this whole conversation that they have through this shootout about how much each bullet is worth. Neither of you do, so I'll just move on. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. I like yeah. what happens late yeah. in a little bit with with uh, Harley. Yeah. He's like one buck, two, yeah. two bucks, yeah. whatever. Fucking trying to count. Harley asks where the goons went. Just then, bullets hit all around them, and they run. As they're running, Marlboro says, they're right there and they're spending a fortune. Harley and Marlboro find cover in the engine of a plane. As the goons are looking for them, a rabbit makes a noise and causes them to turn around and shoot at it. Harley and Marlboro pop up from behind and ambush them, killing the last generic goon guy. Marlboro shot him, of course, and Alexander dives for cover. 
Marlboro climbs out of the plane engine and they start searching for Alexander. After sneaking around for a bit, Alexander gets a jump on them and Marlboro takes a shot in the arm as he dives for cover. Harley makes it behind a plane without getting hit. Marlboro reaches for his dropped gun while Alexander advances, but he shoots it away. Harley is screaming as bullet hits all around him. Fuck, shit, piss, horseshit in a bear's ass. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. Alexander drops the mag out of his gun but doesn't have another one. Marlboro rolls from cover, grabs his gun, and runs. Alexander draws his pistol. Harley is reloading from behind cover and counting how much each bullet counts. This is what Zach was talking about. And it is funny. I like it. It's funny, yeah. Marlboro uses his bandana to tie off his bullet wound. Harley gets to his feet, and now everyone is back to stalking each other through the air airplane graveyard. Alexander drops down from the top of an airplane and tackles Marlboro to the ground. He punches his wound, which is always a move that I I, I fear in movies, where you like punch the the the, the bullet Oof. wound, you know. Yeah. Alexander puts Marlboro up to the plane and points the gun at his head and says, "You're gonna die today. If you want to make it fast, tell me where the money is." you want to make it slow don't it's your choice marlboro says it's a good day for dying i'll do it slow like a fucking man 1991 <laughs> man then he spits in alexander's face and <laughs> never a big fan of that in movies just then harley says hey slick cut him loose Alexander grabs Marlboro and spins around using him as a human shield with the gun to his head. Marlboro sees Harley pointing the gun at him and Alexander and he says, Oh shit, I'm a dead man. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I like. Alexander asks where the money is, but Harley cocks his gun and Alexander brings Marlboro closer to him. Marlboro says to his friend, Squeeze it, Harley. Just squeeze it. Tension builds and Harley shoots. Marlboro on the shoulder. <laughs> Alexander asks again where the money is, but Harley takes aim. Marlboro says, shoot the bastard. Don't think, just shoot him. Harley looks down, then looks up and shoots. He hits Alexander in the arm, causing him to launch his gun in the air and drop Marlboro. Harley shoots him again and hits him in the head. Then so does Marlboro with the gun he just caught. They both shoot Alexander multiple times in the head and he falls over. If this was 2022, his head would explode. But he just takes multiple hits to the head with a fucking desert eagle. Yes. Harley rushes up to Marlboro and Marlboro says uh, uh, the, the kill was his. How did it feel? Harley says, best 12 bucks I ever spent. Harley asks Marlboro how he's feeling, and he says, like, I was rode hard and put up wet. Harley tells him to shake it off. They have one more. As they walk through the airplane graveyard, Marlboro says, I can't believe you shot me, Harley. He hits him with his hat and says, dickhead, you fucking shot me. <laughs> and, you know, ultimately as, like, sort of the climactic shootout, yeah. this was... Okay. Dustin, thoughts on this shootout at all? It's fine. But again, at this point in the movie, I'm not enjoying myself with these guys. So I just wanted it to end. 
it's no exploding football, right? Right, right. It's yeah. I mean, look, if if we were gonna do the side to side comparison, there's there's much more joy and humor and fun, you know. And it's just like, <laughs> and I think part of it too is like we've seen this scene a million times. You shot me. I can't believe you shot me. Like, I, you know, the friend shoots the friend, and uh, but they're they're one step closer to their ultimate vengeance. And now they go on to the yeah. Anyway, which is not vengeance. It's to get the bar back. Still, with no with no one staff to run it or owner to no one to. They don't have any legal ownership Pre- of it. Precedence. They have no. <laughs> no, if anything, you know, Vanessa Williams now owns probably whatever's left. Yeah, but that means nothing to us and Harley. You know, I will say too the 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 villains are so generic in this that it doesn't have the same impact that it would if they were more memorable. Like if they were bigger name villains, because again, the heroes, there's tons of big name heroes, but the villains are like, you know, at at this time in 91, we didn't know who Daniel Baldwin was or even really care. So we just knew him as fat Baldwin. Yeah. So, so the movie, as opposed this to now scene, when we care a lot, <laughs> right? right? And he's still fat Baldwin. Fat Baldwin. <laughs> But the, all you care about in this scene is them. And so it, it, there's an element that's lacking, uh, emotional element that's lacking. Because you don't care about these guys. You know they're going to get killed versus them. Maybe they won't. You know, like if it's a Gene Simmons or whatever from Runaway. But uh, I, I like the, the – I think it's funny. I think this, this – this, you know, assholeness aside with these two guys – this scene is funny to me, um, and I like the banter. So you know, it gets a passable grade for me. Yeah, no, I mean, no, I'm, uh, Zach, I'm I'm with you on the scene. I'm I at this I'm I'm invested. If I'm into it, I'm I'm here for the ride. At this point, I'm invested. And the thing that like guys and gals, if you haven't fucking seen the movie, but you've made it this far, like there's little things that we can't that we're not describing, like. Like, how cool Don Johnson looks with the gun. Like, he just, he's, everything he's doing, not just the dialogue, he looks cool doing it as well. And I do think Don Johnson is the glue that holds this fucking movie together. He's falling apart at this point, though. Yeah. <laughs> just like his boots. hmm Cut to the helicopter Alexander and his men used to get to the airplane graveyard flying over L.A., we see Ginty says, I find it hard to believe you greased those cue balls, but it's a, it's a good thing somebody did. Harley asks, why is that? Ginty says, they were pussies. Their clothes were made out of lightweight Japanese Kevlar. I was like, okay. Uh, they were pussies because they were wearing the right body armor. <laughs> they okay. weren't real men. Like you guys, mm, yeah, yeah, because it's it's. I think it's implied here that Ginty was like a Vietnam vet, so like, yeah, which is sort of like a meta Zach, a meta exterminator, you know, sort of thing. There's a meta thing going on here with Ginty. Oh right? yeah, totally. Yeah. All right, we're in literally the last like eight minutes of the film. Cut to Chance and Kamiko in his office having a meeting via Skype with Japanese board members. Tom Sizemore is speaking Japanese. At least I hope he is. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he's doing a shitty impression. It, it sounds like it. Yep. He sees the helicopter land on the helipad. 
Inside the helicopter, uh, Harley gives Ginty a wad of money and says, you work for us now. In the office, Chance sees Harley and Marlboro get out of the helicopter, but he continues his meeting. In the elevator, Harley says to Marlboro, here's what we'll do. As soon as I ask him to change the lease and he says no, just shoot his ass dead. Why me? Harley says, I'm all out of bullets because he's broke this whole time. Harley and Marble get off the elevator. Harley says he's all out of bullets at that point? No, Chance says. I'm sorry. uh, Yeah, Harley says it because he's broke. Yes, you're right. I'll cut what I just said. Oh, wait. Okay. So Marlboro Man. Harley's all out of bullets. Marlboro Man is not. Okay. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Cigarette boy. Yeah. Harley and Marlboro get off on the elevator and walk into Chance's office. Chance is talking on the phone, but Harley shoots it and says, looking for Chance Wilder. You him? And yeah, Tom Sizemore does this like like comedic look at the phone and then looks like back and says, that's right. Marlboro man says, uh, deal away, Harley. Harley walks up with the bag of money and says, well, here, this is yours. We took it. Wasn't right of us. So now you can change the lease back to the rock and roll bar and grill. <laughs> the hard rock cafe. Right. <laughs> Marlboro says, no handouts, no breaks, just a fair deal. That's all we're asking. (laughs) Chance says, you guys must be charmed to have made it this far. Marlboro retorts, well, four of our friends are dead. No, we're not charmed. We're just pissed off. Chance says, that's too bad. Sorry I pissed you off. The lease stands, okay? So if you came here to kill me, do it now. If not, get the fuck out of here. I don't have time to play with you guys. Harley says, this ain't a game. Chance says, all business is a game one way or another. Selling drugs ain't no game. It's not your average game, that's true. I I, I actually like this. I make $500,000 a year to sit in this office and run this bank. I make another $50 million a year to sit in the same office and run those drugs. Now, that's a big game, and it's big time. I like that. I really yeah, fucking dig that. Turns, his energy turns on in this scene, too. Yeah. Like, he suddenly starts to get it towards the end. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree. But why does he have to, be, why does he have to work at the bank if he's making $50 million? Because, well, I take it he needs those connections. He needs that 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 status in order for him to make those drug deals. I, that's what I take it as. I know. Uh, I mean, yeah, the I same. Know. Maybe the same way a politician, you know, does the shit behind the scenes, makes fucking, you know, and and. And at the time, this kind of goes back to the whole thing that, you know, uh, Gecko is, is the, you know, from, from Wall Street is, mm-hmm. is the, the, the most evil character in 80s America is the businessman, yeah. is the banker, you know. So mm-hmm. here the banker is the drug dealer. So it's like yeah. it's perfect storm of evil. Harley says, well, game's over. Go ahead and do it, Marlboro. Marlboro aims his gun at chance but can't pull the trigger. 
He says it's not right. Harley reminds Marlboro that this scumbag killed their friends just for laughs. But he says but he says it still ain't right. My old man used to tell me before he left this shitty world, never shoot an unarmed man. Harley says, Marble, fuck your old man. Your old man's dead. And I do like how Marble says, leave my old man out of this, all right? That's the callback, Dustin, to earlier when you were like, there was no joke or whatever. For me, this is where the joke is. So Marble keeps saying, my old man says this, old man says that. Harley's like, fuck your old man. But then Marble's like, oh, leave my old man out of this. But you're the one that brings up the old man all the time. Is it a good joke, Dustin? I don't know. It's not. (laughs) Touche. (laughs) It's not. Harley takes his gun and throws it at Chance and says, now he's armed. But Marble says, the gun's empty, Harley. So what? This piece of shit gives drugs to kids. He should have led with that. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, that, that they, they have a throwaway line with Jose Cuervo. Was it Jose's little brother that died? Died because of it, yeah. Fucking throwaway line, you know? It's like none of this shit mattered in the movie. Yeah. Just like the drugs didn't matter, and just like the entire movie didn't yeah, matter but, pretty much but okay <laughs> poor, poor dustin dustin's like please god get me out of this <laughs> just then two goons with shotguns walk in and tell marlboro and harley to drop their weapons marlboro puts his gun on the floor chance asks if they really thought they would just walk in and shoot them and shoot him <laughs> he said that was the plan Chance laughs and tells his men to shoot them. But before they can do, the helicopter drops down and hovers. Ginty, again in the pilot seat, waves for Harley and Marlboro to move. Then a Gatling gun drops from the bottom of the helicopter. Everyone except the two poor bastard goons. Get out of the way as Ginty opens fire on the office. The goons are killed. And then Ginty waves goodbye and leaves. And then a piece of dialogue that I don't understand happens. Chance laughs. What did you do? Did you pay him? Harley says, no, man. That's your money. You paid him. He did that for free. I don't get what any of that means. He didn't do it for free. He He got paid to do it. He got because he said you work for yeah. me now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I don't get. And by the way, Tia Carrera's in the scene. You just she doesn't say anything. She doesn't do anything, but she's there the entire time, looking good. Yeah, yeah she is. She got some kind of like button down top going on. Oh, <laughs> Chance gets pissed and says to Marlboro, "Like your buddy says, fuck your old man. Let's see what you're made of." Marlboro picks up the gun, but still can't shoot it, so he throws it at Chance, then tackles him when he tries to grab it. They both fight by the broken window, and Chance is about to fall, but he points the gun at Marlboro, who kicks it as he shoots. But then Chance grabs Marlboro's boot to prevent himself from falling. It it works better in the movie than me describing it. It really does. Yeah. 
Marble falls to the ground and holds onto the desk while Chance hold, while Chance holds onto his boot to present, pre- prevent himself from falling. Harley grabs Marble's hand as he loses his grip on the desk. As Harley begins pulling Marble back from the ledge, his boot that Jance is holding onto is ripping apart. Finally, it comes undone and Chance falls to his death. He, holding onto the boot, it rips apart in his hand. Harley tells Marlboro, guns are made to be shot, not thrown. And Marlboro says, I was just trying to even the odds, which is a callback to, Mar- to Harley throwing the shotgun, yada, yada, yada. Cut to Marlboro putting on a new pair of boots at a rodeo. He asks Harley where he's off to this time. Harley asks if he wants to come with him, but Harley, but Marble says he can't. Harley says, I shouldn't have asked. You never say, say yes. And I was like, oh, man. He, he, the writer is just writing him like a woman at this point. Not, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm just saying like it's, it's what he's doing. No, it's a relationship. Yeah, yep. it's a relationship. They look at each other, and Marble tells him to get out of here. They shake hands and hug. But don't say anything like real 90s men. (laughs) The rodeo announcer says, this is Robert Lee Edison, a third generation cowboy with his own brand of misery. He hails from Las Vegas and hasn't seen the back of a bull's neck since he got off real hard in the national finals rodeo seven years ago. Let's see what he gets done on a bull called Hondo. Then we see him ride it. Marlboro pats the bull and says, Okay, big boy, let's make it a good one. He rides the bull to a cheering crowd as Harley drives down the road and spots a hot brunette hitchhiker. He says to her, Where are you heading? She says, Nowhere special. He says, Come on, I'll take you there. And she She, looks an awful lot like the one in his photo. Yep. She gets on, on his motorcycle and they drive down the highway. The fucking end. Mm. <laughs> Dustin. <laughs> Dustin. Oh, God. Mm. Dustin. Final some, thoughts, my man. Like an, uh, Anything like an we missed release. during this conversation? Um, you know, what happens to the money? What happens to the money? Agreed. Or what happens to that? What happens? You got new boots. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, um, murders that are sort of unaccounted for um like all of their friends yeah which you know and and the, right and the guy in the plane and the uh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah the luggage this, guy, this, guy yeah this whole thing has not has gone down in the um in the building and you know let's let's not forget these aren't cops this isn't like something went down and the cops you know all was all was right in the end this is like these guys are still criminals um Yep. They're two-bit hoods that end up with this money, and at some point, somebody would be questioning them about a lot of things. Um, the bar, the rock and roll diner. I mean, just well, so what? What happens to the bar? Who who runs it? Is is Lulu running it? I'm. I think that's done. I think that's done, right? Because the bank. I don't but know, they, but they go. They go to Chance Wilder. Their final play is to get the deal, like get a better deal. Do they get the deal though? And and, and, okay, so they kill him. So who 
Like, you know, like... I think that's it. I think that's it. It would have been cool to maybe end up with Vanessa Williams or something. Maybe a little Harley, Vanessa Williams, Deumont, you know, some some kind of resolution with that, whether they give the money. I would have liked to see them maybe at their friend's graves or something, you know, because they've now achieved the revenge, but what the fuck is the point? And then he just goes back to riding a bull? Like, we introduced this thing that we never heard about Don Johnson's character now for the first time we're learning he's riding a bull and then fucking Harley's just heading back to Texas or whatever. Yeah, it's a, it's all a big who cares. Across the board. <laughs> Dustin's it, like it, across the across board. The board. This, it's this, just who like who gives a fucking shit about this movie and I think I the weird thing is I think you're right because I remember I mean I went to film school Towson University. Take that for what you will. Although I will say, um, you know, uh, Mike Flanagan came out of the same film school that I did, so that's something. Not judging, but film yeah, school. But but the first thing out of the gate that like my screenwriting one hundred and one teacher said was like, when you write a story, like what is the point of that story? Like what is the point of this? And Dustin, to your point, you have to ask like what. What did Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man get out of this? I'd say Marlboro got his life probably on point. Um, but Harley just goes back to being who he was. It doesn't seem like he grew or learned anything. And yet, and there's mm. no resolution with, with Lulu. And I'm with you. I would want to just, like, see them give her the money or something. Or even him say, like, Harley say to Marlboro, like, when he's about to get on that bull, like, hey, I got to go back to L.A. to give Lulu the money, the the, the deed to the, the place or whatever. But at this point, we just think that the movie tells us Harley and Marlboro took that money and fuck Lulu. Like, fuck her and fuck her hard. Yeah, not in a good way, and and you know the families of their friends, and I mean just 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 the whole the whole family, the whole point of this fucking place that you grew up with as kids, this these this old man who's you know your surrogate father. I mean, it's fuck all of them. Sorry, you guys died. Sorry, I had a shitty plan. Zach, my man, you are the one that probably loves this movie the most. Give us some final thoughts, man. Give 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 us some love on this film. Put some put some icing on the cake, you know. Well, I think uh, I think if you turn the sound off and just watch this movie visually, uh, there's a lot to take in and appreciate. Uh, you put on your favorite music and just like take in the visuals. Uh, yeah, I think everything in the middle was just to set up the ending. Really, the ending of one guy turn turning the corner and the other guy continuing to do what he's been doing all his life. So uh, I loved it. I didn't, you know, when I saw it when I was 15, I, I, again, there were parts of it I loved and some parts I hated. Uh, I still feel the same way. I still feel the same way. There's mom- there's enough moments in it for me where I'm just like, I, I like these little vignettes. I, I enjoy these things. Um, uh, you know, is it flawed as hell? Oh, totally. But, you know, but just to see what could have been, the story building that happens uh, in my own mind <laughs> made it enjoyable. Um, you know, seeing his boots rip off at the end is funny. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a great. funny scene. Like there's some, like the, there's some funny scenes in this movie. 
Uh, and then that opening with Wanted Dead or Alive is fucking classic to me. It's like, it's, it's, and it's, it's so it's, good. It's great. It's so fucking good. That one it's minute, good, boy. Oof. Yeah. Well, and that, 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 it, that scene goes on for like three and a half minutes or something, even longer maybe, but, but it doesn't matter. You know, like to me, like the, it's, there's it's an the, hour it's flawed and 40 minute movie. Like what? what, what? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's flawed. It's flawed as hell for sure. But, uh, but, but, but there's enough moments where I'm like, man, these guys were. At, 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 Don Johnson still is, but there was a, a time when you look at Mickey Rourke and you're like, this guy was on top of his game, and this is the last moment of him being on top of his game. From here, it just goes downhill. So it's an interesting time capsule movie. Like, it, yeah, nostalgia's a hell of a drug. I'll just keep it at that in 2022 would you recommend this movie or is it one of those things where it's like to very like to a very specific person that you would recommend this to yeah if if you are a fan of of these guys uh of this of of crappy crappy buddy movies you know like a bad movie night yeah this is a good bad movie this is a good bad movie night for sure because you can laugh at it and just be like oh god you know kind of thing uh, don't watch it going into it thinking it's you're you're gonna fucking get Lethal Weapon because you're not. No, you're definitely not. No. It's not Shane Black wrote this. No, and Don Michael Paul maybe wanted to be Shane Black, but but you know, isn't. At the end of the day, too, it's like you you you, you can't give a bunch of ex- you can't give all put all the excuses on Mickey Rourke. It's a it's a it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, but you know, Chelsea Field worked her butt off. Don Johnson oozes. Uh, likability throughout the whole thing as much it's like he took a shitty character and made you actually like not like him but go yeah but there's something about him that makes me want to like him you know no no i think you're right the first time i think he, he took a shitty character dustin called that out because I, I didn't even see that i only saw don johnson but i think he took a shitty character and made him likable yeah, uh and du- i i appreciate dustin you know dustin's um perspective because it, it it definitely you know made me look at it through a different lens, and uh, but I will still continue to watch it with that lens as well. Yeah, oh, I I love Dustin's perspective on this one. It's very very interesting. Dustin, is there any way? Who is the person you would recommend this movie for? People that like to waste their time. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you have nothing better to do, yeah. That's, that's that person i mean that sounds blunt but i you know i like zach summary it's like it's not that it's a bad movie it's just that we watched it with the sound on <laughs> like, Touché. Touché. like oh, i slate that that's actually that should have been the fucking uh, uh you know quote pull quote right. on the cover it's, it's like, not a bad movie just don't watch it with the sound just on. do something else and have the sound off listen to uh put it on put on uh slippery when wet uh, bon Jovi's album featuring Wanted Dead or Alive. Just put that on repeat and watch the whole movie. There you, there you go. I, I think that actually is a perfect uh, summary of the film. I think it's a good movie to put on the background. I tell people if they've never seen it, just watch it once for Don Johnson. Uh, after that, if you have seen it when you were a kid and you think you loved it, just leave it there. Just leave it there in your memory and you'll have a good time with yeah, it. Yeah, leave it there. Leave it watch there. Watch it for Don Johnson. Dustin... What uh, I know this month is the entire, you know, two dollar Lafey podcast after dark, Carly Davis and the Marlboro Man crossover event. But can you give us any insight into what's coming after that on two dollar Lafey? Great question. My brain is a little mushy. I would say, uh, what do we got going on? We'll have uh, 
Well, I can't. I can't give you any insight because until we have the the stuff in the can, I I never I never say hey. So um, I, I respect yeah. and and I I'm, I'm with you on that one, buddy. I yeah. know what you mean. We've I got a lot of mean. a lot of a lot lined up. Um, yeah, <laughs> hopefully it pays lot. off. <laughs> a lot it lined up. A lot lined up. We'll say that. Yeah, but no. If you uh, you should maybe look at the back catalog. June was Streets of Fire month. Walter Hill, excellent interview with Michael Perret and Stony Jackson. I mean, that's uh, two separate interviews. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Dustin, buddy, I I love you, man, and I appreciate you sitting through four and a half hours of Harley Davis and the Marlboro Man offline. Zach and I both know what you, how you truly felt about this movie, and I gotta say, Dustin was an absolute fucking trooper for sitting through this, well, <laughs> this it's, entire fucking thing. Yeah, and it's not even so much the movie as it is just you know, uh, you guys know that I just my my mental capacity taps out in ninety minutes. I know. It's so, this is so beyond what I'm capable of. So thank you. (laughs) I love these crossover episodes. Guys and gals, if you've not listened to the Wraith episode that we did last year, please do. Please go back and listen to that. Please check out everything that $2 Lay Fee has going on, both on their free feed and on their patreon uh you will hear me on there as well um you know guys and gals if, if you love a podcaster if you love an artist fucking support them on fucking patreon we all have the same bills everyone else does and you know what if whether it's through a fee whether it's pad or just somebody else just support a fucking podcaster on patreon it, it really helps uh we're all trying to do some good shit here but Honestly, I got to say, Tura Lefi, they have some great stuff going on. Um, we have also some great stuff going on from everything in the BFOP network. Uh, check out Action Action. Check out Talking Back. Check out Throwback Trivia Takedown, Blast from Our Past, Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast, People Don't Forget, Comics Underground, and a slew of other of other podcasts that are either coming or going. Return Revenge Resurrection. It's all kinds of good shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's great. It's great shit all across the board. And uh, I... I loved, loved, loved doing this episode with you guys. I love the annual $2 Lay Fee crossover episode. And I can't wait to see what fucking Dustin has for next year because it's your pick, my friend. Mm. And uh, I, I, I I, just got to say, for Harley Davidson, and the Marlboro Man, to you, Dustin, I'm sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I did this to you. <laughs> Zach, you know you loved it. <laughs> but, but as always... We'll catch you on the dark side. It's better be dead and cool than alive and watching this movie. Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Geekscape Network. 